on this week's episode, there can be only one. Well, okay, maybe if the first one performs well on home video, we can have more than one. Anyways, we tackle 1986's Highlander. I'm Sean, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm Troy Sauer. Brad McLeod. <laughs> and I'm Josh. And this is Not a Bomb. back everybody brand new episode of not a bomb podcast just a little reminder this is the movie podcast that we go back and watch all the movies that bombed in the theaters or maybe the critics just you know didn't take a liking to josh welcome back man i'm back i'm back again we're so excited we i i know brad and i just got done listening to the the latest episode of the vh files podcast the crow that was fantastic thank you so much for doing that film Thank you for listening to it. And uh, that one was quite a technical fiasco. So it was delayed a little bit coming out, but I'm happy we were able to save it and get it out there because it seems like we have quite a few people that listen to us that are happy we did that movie. So I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. It uh, gave me a reason to go back, watch it again. Um, And good or bad, I started going down that rabbit hole of should I watch the sequels or not? Um, And no, I I decided not to. So (laughs) (laughs) like City of Angels is not atrocious, but everything after that is really bad. Doesn't Tara Reid make an appearance at some point in time? Yeah. And the one with Edward Furlong. Oh, that's right. Yeah. David Borneas from uh, Angel is in that one, too. uh, I have not seen the third one, and I don't know if I ever will, but. I know who's in it. The second one, I give I give a fair shot, but this is a very superficial thing, but the guy's makeup in that one is so bad. And it just, I don't know, it doesn't compare to the first one whatsoever. So I just can't, I can't really be on the side of it, but I will give it a watch every now and then. Well, it was a fun episode. And and like I said, it, it made me kind of go back and, and do a rewatch. And I thought um, just to do a little catch up before we get into another kind of big franchise. We're, we're talking about Highlander this week, and that's going to be a very interesting discussion. I was just curious, like, hey, summer started. What have you guys been watching lately? So we, uh, Brad, you and I just got off of a big Shakespeare kick. So I don't know if you <laughs> dove right back into more Shakespeare. I know I bought more Shakespeare Blu-rays, um, but I, I didn't watch anymore. But um, what, what, did, what did you take in over the last week? I'm, I'm just curious how you cleanse the the Shakespeare palette. You know, I'm not sure if Shakespeare wrote this play or not, but he could have. Um, one of the films I watched was 1994's Yonda Bont uh, film, Speed. Um, oh, I got yeah. that on 4K. And I will let you know, as much as I don't like um, Sandra Bullock's character in that movie, she's super annoying. That movie holds up really well. And that theme song slaps. It is so good. I forgot how great that theme song is. Um, and they play it throughout the movie, which I'm all for. But um, Sandra Bullock's character in that movie is really annoying. She whines the entire time. But you kind of get to see, like, Keanu's, like, I mean, he's really charismatic in that movie, even though he's kind of dull. And Dennis Hopper is an amazing bad guy. So 
That's, I watched that. That's an interesting pick because I think that's that a came banger. out the same year. And uh, so that was a summer release and it came out as The Crow. So I, I remember specifically going to the drive-in and seeing The Crow, Speed, and True Lies. If I remember, they all came out that summer. That was that was a pretty fantastic wow. That's uh, a hell of a triple bill right there. Yeah. I might have to go back and look at the films of 94 because that's a <laughs> – The next film I, I watched, and, and Troy, you and I and Sammy have gone back on this film quite a bit this week. We've created some terms for uh, what happens in this movie, but I watched uh, John Woo's Face Off. Um, <laughs> and I told you that uh, oh, I actually boy. had to watch Face Off in two sittings because I forgot that Face Off is like two hours and 15 minutes for some reason. It's a long um, one, yeah. It is a long one, and um, so many white face waterfalls in that movie. John Travolta loves wiping his hands down people's faces, which really bothers me. But especially in the time of COVID. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Post like pandemic, like don't touch me, don't oh, touch me. I have to ask. So, Josh, I'm always you. We talk uh, off and on throughout the week, and I'm yeah. always surprised about movies that you never saw or caught. And Face Off mm-hmm. appears to be one that I wouldn't be surprised if you're like, no, I haven't watched that one yet. But have you seen Face Off? Absolutely, I've seen Face Off. Okay, just making sure. Because you always surprise me every once in a while with uh, some of these where you, you come out of the woodworks and you're like, yeah, I've seen this and I've, I've seen every film under you know that director, et cetera. And then these one, I don't know, iconic films pop up and you're like, no, I haven't caught that one yet. So Yeah, okay. I've seen all of Dar- Argento's films, but I haven't seen X, Y, and Z. Josh will throw that at you every once in a while. You're like, what are you doing? But uh, I, I guess, you know, Troy, we've been talking about it. It's oh, like, don't. Don't go there. Do not go there. Don't. Don't. There's some things that when you switch faces, yep. your wife's going to notice some other differences. They're not, Leave they're not the same. Leave it alone. They're not the same. This is not suitable for our discussion. Okay, what else did you watch, okay. Brad? <laughs> and then lastly, I, uh, I – uh, d- didn't make the upgrade, but um, I, I did just recently. Um, I, I only had the birds on DVD, so I, I got the birds on 4K, um, and I, I went back and watched it again, um, which is one of my wife's favorite movies. Hey, guys, Alfred Hitchcock's pretty good. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but uh, the birds is he's okay. stellar. I, he's got a career, stellar. I think. He's, he's yeah. not bad. He's not bad. I like his work. I actually had not seen the birds until a couple of years ago seen a bunch of other Hitchcock stuff and I, I have the box set, the Blu-ray box set that came out with like with that and psycho and all the other, you know, big hits of, of Hitchcock. And that was the one I always put off and never saw when I was younger or anything like that. Um, love psycho. I think strangers on a train is amazing. That's my favorite. Um, yep. The birds, the birds didn't really do it for me. Maybe it's going to take a rewatch, but the birds was a little lackluster for me. I mean, but then again, the first time I watched psycho, I didn't see it when I was a kid. I kind of saw it later in life and it was a little bit of a rough first watch, but the more I've watched psycho over the years, the more I just am on the bandwagon of how amazing that movie is. Yeah, I agree. So Josh, what, what did you take in? I I know you've been busy with the move and everything else kind of setting up the house, but just squeeze any extra movies in outside of uh, Highlander this week. I, I, I try my best to, um, Surprisingly enough, we finally got back into a movie theater uh, at the beginning of the month, and we went and saw A Quiet Place 2. Has anybody caught that one yet? Not yet. Not. Okay. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I won't spoil anything since you guys haven't seen it. What did you think of the first one? Did you you like the first one? I I liked the first one quite a bit. I watched it in preparation for that one. Uh, I I really love John Krasinski. I like Emily Blunt. I think they're fantastic, especially when they're working together. Uh, I can't wait to see John Krasinski do more work. Um, I mean, this one kind of suffers from 
SQLitis. I mean, it's going to do some of the same stuff again, but I found it very enjoyable. I think a lot of it too was I was just happy to be out of the house watching a movie in the theater again. Yeah, I saw The Conjuring. The devil made me do it, and I was just happy that I was in a the theater. But that movie was terrible. But I was like, at least I'm in the theater. So it, it's funny you brought that up because I watched that one as well. I didn't go to the theater. I, I went ahead and did it on HBO Max, um, and I'm kind of glad I did. I am a fan of the Conjuring movies. I haven't gotten into the Conjuring expanded universe. I haven't watched any of the spinoffs like Annabelle and The Nun and any of that. But I really enjoy the first two Conjuring movies, and this one was just it was you could tell the where they were going for blatant ripoffs, especially of the exorcist. <laughs> the exorcist particular yeah. Scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. They, they so, <laughs> copyright, but I mean, I watched it probably a week ago now and I, I really can't remember anything about it other than the exorcist homage stuff. But, but I mean, I, you know, still I'm, I, I'll watch any movie. If it's it holds my attention, I'll stick with it. But that one was a little, eh. uh, other than that, I watched the movie rubber. Have you guys seen that? Is that the killer? Tire Is that the tire movie? The killer tire movie. Yeah, yes. I remember that being a big thing like ten years ago. Didn't didn't it, see it yet. It's um, it's it's very tongue in cheek, and I think that's what I like about it. Um, it's just so bizarre and out there, but it's one of those. I mean, it it tells you what it is in the first five minutes of the movie. I mean, and when I say that, I say it in literal sense. It tells you what it is. And as long as you hold on to that while you're watching this movie, it's a laugh fest in my opinion. But I think a lot of people are looking for more in it than what's really there. It's like, no, they told you from the beginning, this is what you're watching right now. And as long as you watch it with that mindset, I think it can be enjoyed pretty well. And just, I mean, the, the sheer notion that someone decided to make a movie about a killer tire. I mean, come on, I, I'm going to give it a shot <laughs> at least, you know? Yeah, so, it's on it's on the list, but I just can't I can't bring myself to pull the trigger and spend the time yeah. on it. But yeah, if you like, it was one of those where pretty short too. Like it's stretching yeah. to get to eighty minutes, I believe. It comes in at like one, an hour and twenty two minutes somewhere oh, around there. Okay, yeah, it's um, but I mean, it was one of those. I had some time in my day. My wife really wasn't, or for whatever reason, she wasn't with me. So I was like, she's not going to want to watch this. So I turned that on, and it. Uh, it's something else. It it definitely deserves at least one watch. Just and if you don't like it, fine. But it's one of those that I think it is it is ridiculous. But at least give it a watch, especially film buffs. I mean, it's one of those that you can just watch and kind of respect the filmmaking and also like what they're giving you. They're they're handing you what you should have on a silver platter, which is rare. But I don't know. I I would suggest giving it at least one watch. Okay. Do you guys remember those times when like horror movies were coming out and and rubber kind of I don't know if it's really a horror movie but like Human Centipede and then there was another one called Donkey Punch it was just like these yeah. weird like uh, horror movies that yeah. was just like these weird concepts but Some the title those, told you exactly what it was yeah so. some of those that came out of that era I mean. Uh, the, it was mainly like the, the magnet releases and stuff yep. like that. I think yep. rubber was released under magnet. Um, but some of those movies, I mean, there's one, uh, the sacrament, um, which is, I can't remember the director's name, but he's big in, in the uh, horror genre. Um, right now, I want to say Alexander Aja, but it's not him. It's one of the other guys. I thought it was like but, um, Ty West or something like that. Ty West. That's it. Yes. Yep. Yep. Like he had the sacrament. He had, um, the one in the hotel before that. I can't remember the name of that one either. Um, the innkeepers. Yes. The innkeepers. 
And then there was also the devil yeah. one. The House like, of the Devil? House of the Devil, yes. Those, that's Which is super a, boring until the last 10 minutes. And then yeah, the last 10 it. minutes of that movie are, are amazing, but the buildup to it is, oof. So, but yeah, Ty West has got a nice little run there. I mean, I, I, I can watch those three movies and, and really dig on what he's doing, so... Well, that's a that's a good week. Anything else outside of? I, I know you guys recorded a brand new episode, which we'll we'll talk about at the end because I I will say that as a spoiler because I'm excited about your your next episode. Yeah, it was a fun one. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Um. I I was like, hey, we're watching Highlander, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go watch the Highlander movies. So there was Highlander the theatrical cut or Highlander two the theatrical cut. Then there was Highlander two the Renegade version. Uh, and we'll talk about those. Then there was Highlander, the final dimension, AKA Highlander, the sorcerer, AKA Highlander three. And then I was like, Oh, well let's, let's go watch Highlander Endgame after that. And then after that one, how about we watch Highlander, the search for vengeance. So is that the anime one? It was the anime one. I, okay. I think the only Highlander film I didn't watch was Highlander, the source, but uh, yeah, those, those are the ones that were already available. So we'll, we'll talk about those after we talk about Highlander. I, I had a, a jam-packed week of, of movie watching. So um, I, I think I started with Midnight Run, which was from 1988, uh, which uh, I, I love that film. I don't know what you guys think about it, but it's Robert De Niro and um, Charles Grodin. And it's directed by, um, oh my gosh, he's he did Beverly Hills Cop and I can't think of his Martin, name. Martin Bress? Bress. Bress, yes. Yep. So super fun film. It's one of those where I can put in and, and it, it's not laugh out loud funny, but you're chuckling through the whole thing, especially, you know, Groden and, and Deere going at each other. Did you watch that because Groden just passed? It, it, was, yeah, it was one of those. I mean, when yeah. when he passed, you always get a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm going to go back and revisit this guy's movies. I didn't do that, but it was it was laying there. And I'm I, I love Charles. Oh, man, Groden, you didn't so. go back and watch Beethoven or Beethoven second. Or was it Clifford? Did he do that one? Or <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch any of those, but that was fun. And then I followed that up with something that had been sitting in my two watch pile. Uh, our 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 good friend John, uh, he and I got together and we decided to watch 1987's Strike Commando with Captain America himself, Reb Brown. Oh my God, that movie's amazing! <laughs> I had never seen it before, and it's basically just an Italian ripoff of Rambo Two. And, uh, <laughs> oh, Jiminy's Christmas. That, that was a glorious watch. Um, followed that up. And so I got to tell you, one of the best films I've seen this year, I actually caught yesterday. And I've been waiting for it to come out for a while. So it had a limited theatrical release. And it just came out on Blu-ray this week. But it was, um, it, it's listed as 2020, but I don't think it started playing theatrically till this year. And it comes a uh, obscure Hong Kong film, I believe. I'm, I'm going to guess. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but but it. Uh, so it's Paper Tigers or the Paper oh. Tigers. Um, it's it's an American film. It takes place in in Seattle, and it has um, some famous. I, I would say you you might find like Asian actors or action actors in it, like uh, Ron Yuan or Roger Yuan, um, Yuji. Okamoto, but I'm telling you guys, this film is fantastic. I, I was laughing throughout the whole thing. The whole premise is just about these um, three just childhood friends who were were studying kung fu together, and um, they grow up. They they kind of go their separate ways, and their sifu dies, so they all come back together. Find out that somebody may have murdered their sifu. So you have these guys in their 50s and 60s 
trying to track down their their sifu's killer and it is hilarious because obviously they haven't practiced you know kung fu for uh, a long time and and i cannot recommend this film enough even for people uh who aren't into like martial arts cinema action or, or kung fu films this movie is is just fantastic it, it's a big crowd pleaser too it's it's a lot of fun Decided, i was asking you about that the other day yeah i it's a buy like if it's out on Blu-ray. If you walk into your local Walmart, you can find it for like 15 bucks on Blu-ray. It's a definite buy. Um, oh. it followed that up uh, with the Apple on Blu-ray. I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen this film. So it, it stars Catherine Mary Stewart, who you might know from night of the comment and uh, the last starfighter. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So men, I'm Golan. Uh, so, you know, those guys, Canon Group, they did a musical in 1980 called The Apple. And I couldn't even begin to describe this thing. It's it's a mus- it's a 1980s Canon musical trying to retell like Adam and Eve within the music industry. So just, just go watch the trailer and you're like, oh my God. And <laughs> yeah, wow. Wow. Oh, so it's cocaine the movie then. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And and I think uh God, the eighties were great. <laughs> yeah, every everybody had to, but Menahem Golan directed it. So he him, you know, the big producer directed it as well. And I, I can't even I mean it's 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 shock treatment, Rocky Horror, if those two films ha- or Phantom of the Paradise, if all those got together and decide, hey, let's ha- go on an acid trip, you would get the apple. So I, I, I don't know if it's good. I know it was fun watching it with the group of people that I was watching because we're like, what in the hell's going on? But um, yeah, that was a fun experience. And then I topped it off this morning. So if anybody is on the East Coast or anywhere near Baltimore, if you haven't, and I'm, I'm always shocked at how many people that I know that live here and have never gone to some of the great movie theaters that we have, but there is a theater um, sort of north of Baltimore called The Senator. And it was built in 1939. So it is absolutely gorgeous. And I'll, I'll probably start posting some pictures of this theater on our on our social media um, accounts. But they they show modern films in this old 40s like Art Deco theater with the curtains and everything else. And it it's just absolutely beautiful. And oh, that's where Hitler died. What? Glorious Bastards taught me that. Oh, okay. <laughs> of course. Uh, Don't you remember in that documentary called Inglorious Bastards where they kill Hitler? Yeah, yeah, that documentary. That's right. Yeah, um, okay. So they were showing this morning at 10 a.m. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So I went and and revisited that in the theater. And man, nice. that movie is so nice. funny. It it has it has a, I think it's aged well. And and I don't know it it takes you back to the 80s, but it's just consistently funny in the soundtrack. Dude, name a name a better soundtrack to a film. I mean, it's got all the classics. It's a lot of fun. I've been putting off rewatching that one or even doing it on our on our podcast because I'm waiting for that Criterion that's going to be coming out at the end of the year. So I can't wait to get that Criterion edition of that one. Yeah, I was I was just happy to. I've never seen it in the theater, so to go back into this just gorgeous yeah. sort of big movie house. I mean, it seats like over 500 that main auditorium. And in, you know, Troy, you've you've kind of made me realize something here because I know that you're a father. Uh, a loving husband, have two kids, all, but 
how you get in so many movies in your week. Like I'm, I'm married. I don't have kids, but I can never find time to watch movies now. He never sleeps. Troy I, I does not sleep. sleep. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'm always on, man. I'll, I'll, I'll text Brad. I'm always, you know, I'm up in the morning, like way early and I'm, right. I'm just dying to text Brad, but I don't know if he's up. And then even late at night, I'm like, Hey, I'm still up, but I think Brad's asleep. So and talk about, talk about early morning texts. Okay. So I just want to go on a little story here. Cause <laughs> me, me and you guys have a little text thread that we go back and forth showing off our movies or whatever. But yeah. you know, you know, as I mentioned, we had a, some technical difficulties with our crow episode and the morning it was supposed to come out, I get a text message from Brad. Where's the crow? I need it right now. <laughs> well, you told so, us the day before it was coming out. So I'm like, well, I'm going to get up earlier than usual because I'm going to listen to the crow while I'm doing my stuff in the morning. And then it wasn't up. And so I was, I was hitting like the refresh thing and then it hit. <laughs> so then I was listening and I apologize. I know in, in like the first 45 minutes, I had to put it on pause and start texting you about the crow because I was having fun with it, man. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, so yeah. Hey, this week, hey, there can be only one, right? So we're going to talk about 1986's Highlander, which, you know, the, these are the type of movies that I always scratch my head on because I, I think a lot of people think that in the 80s, Highlander was like this big hit because it spawned a bunch of, uh, you know, sequels. I mean, they're talking remake of it now. It had a TV show. Apparently there can't only be one because there's how many sequels to this thing? <laughs> That's exactly. There's, there's a whole TV show. And then I didn't even know this, doing a little bit of research. You, you had the Highlander TV series, but then it had two spinoff TV series on top of the main TV series. So there's like a gazillion episodes of there, plus comics and books. And I, I think there were video games out there, but you would think something that from a movie perspective had this, you know, I don't know, much runway uh, over the last few decades was just, you know, came out swinging in the 80s. But that wasn't the case. Hence, we were able to pick it for an episode of Not a Bomb. Honestly, I was surprised when you guys said it was coming up. Because I was, you know, we go back and forth about, you know, what your episodes you got coming up and when I can jump on and whatnot. And when you said Highlander, I was like, was that a bomb? I had to go back and look. And yeah, I mean, we'll get into the movie later, but I was surprised to find out that it was a financial, not a financial bomb. And Josh, you obviously know the connection between this and Flash Gordon, right? The other one of the other episodes you were on. Canon, correct? Canon think about film. the music. Yeah, Queen, obviously. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. I, I so anytime yeah. Queen has does a the soundtrack for a movie that's a bomb, we're calling you. You know that that <laughs> wide gamut that we have, you have to come on. This is okay. like your thing now. It this looks is like your this lane. Is my, this is like this is my last show with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh yeah. man, I, I, now, I this, don't know how many I don't know how many films that Queen did the uh, soundtrack for, but. Well, this is not that a many. first time watch for any of us, right? So I know Brad oh. and I wa watched oh, no. the heck out of this thing on VHS, but Josh, how, is this was this a first time watch or second, third? This is a second time watch for Ooh, me. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So. I've seen this movie probably a hundred times. <laughs> it's probably in my top ten of like most watched films. I, for some weird reason, we rented the heck out of this um, because I was fourteen when this thing came out. So when it hit, you know, home video, it was just one that you instantly rented on a regular basis. You weren't going to buy it because at that time, you know, VHS is when it came out. It cost $100. Yeah, 120 yeah. bucks or whatnot. So you're renting the heck out of it. But yeah, this was this is one that um, you would rent or HBO. I remember playing the heck out of this yep. too. And anytime it was on, uh, you know, on the weekend, whatnot, you'd watch it. But like, like I said, it has a very interesting history in terms of the financials because I think a lot of people think that this thing was a huge success. But 
Brad, let's go back on a little journey and let, let's talk about, you know, how did it perform and what came out about that time? So, yeah. Oh. So released, um, March 7th of 1986, um, with the budget of $19 million, it, uh, grosses 12.9. So that's 5.9 domestically and 7 um, million internationally. Um, opening weekend, it does 2.4 million. Ranks seventh during its opening weekend. Any guesses on the top three for that weekend? It's like impossible to ask, but the films are pretty. Uh, number one was Pretty in Pink. Oh, Molly um, Ringwald. Cool. Yeah. Okay. House. Oh, the uh, Sean, Cunningham Sean Cunningham movie? Yeah. And I then, watched the hell out of that as a yeah, kid. That was, yeah, that was and another then, big rental. Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Is anyone familiar with that movie? Yeah, that no. was that was a comedy. Oh my gosh, who I swear I've seen it. That was um was it a Bette Midler Nick Nolte uh film? I, I'm pretty You're the sure one it was. who was fourteen in nineteen eighty six. I was three <laughs> years old. Well, how do you not know about that? Yeah, Nick Nolte, oh. Bette Midler, Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, I remember seeing okay. this in the theater. That's okay. how we don't know. <laughs> Troy's is Bette Midler, Nick Nolte. <laughs> Come on, Bette Midler, I was not, Nick I was not interested in Richard any Dreyfus of those people in, in 1986. <laughs> was there a lightsaber in that film, Troy? No. I, was but Arnold I Schwarzenegger or, or Sylvester Stallone in yeah. it? That's all I wanted to know at that point. Was there a time-traveling DeLorean? Because if not, I don't care. I don't know how you and guys were there's no were busting of ghosts. 14. <laughs> at that age, you're, especially now, keep in mind, 80s, 86. You go to the mall. You're dropped off for the weekend. You got the arcade. You got everything else, right? Right. Fast Times Ridge my High, just seeing that today, it, it brought me back to the teenage years. But, mm. dude, you saw everything that was in the theater. So, yeah, we saw Nick Nolte. And, uh, and it only cost a nickel. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid weather snappers. Uh, so, and he walked uphill both ways uh, with no shoes on. To the mall yeah. <laughs> to get your orange Julius. <laughs> so it's funny. I think this might be the first time in – the history of the show that we have talked about March of 1986 because Chopping Mall came out the same time as uh, Highlander. So in that month, we had obviously Highlander. We had Castaway. We had Crossroads, which I believe is Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio. I just picked that up on Blu-ray, actually. Nice. Amazing film. Of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We had... (laughs) Uh, Police Academy, back in training. Uh, that's yes. the third one. Yeah, great movie. Cobra. <laughs> oh my! See, that's what I would have been watching at that point. Okay. Uh, Rad, which that just came out on 4K a little while ago, and that's awesome. That amazes me that Rad is on 4K. So I know. Yeah, I know. Okay. I haven't seen uh, that one. I've I've missed that one. You gotta go you watch need it. To. Yeah, yeah, you need to. Uh, the Money Pit. Yeah, uh, Tom Hanks. Shelley. <sighs> yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, then, you know, guys, I just did a rewatch on that one not too long ago, and I don't... Why? There are funny moments in that movie, but it does not hold up very no, well. No, of course it doesn't. Oh. April Fool's Day? Oh, that's a, that's a good... Yeah, I miss, yeah. I miss when they used to just make horror movies on, like, days yeah. of the year. It's like, but well... Technically, is it a slasher? I mean... It, Nobody really dies in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fun thriller more than... <laughs> yeah. But I, I still and classify then, it as a horror film, so... And then uh, Lucas, a Corey Haim film. Yes. Yep. Does he play football in that one or something? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Tug at your heartstrings, a little high school film. Sure it does. Yeah. I saw it as a kid, but I remember nothing about that movie. Man, that's a great month. I'm, I'm feeling all nostalgic when you listed all that stuff. So, yeah, to be 14 yeah. again. And so, critically, 
This is pretty fascinating. Highlander comes in at a 69%. Nice. On uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and the audience is at 79%. So audience likes it more than the critics, obviously, because it's a genre film. So right. that's going to happen. Our boy Ebert did not did not like Siskel this movie at all. Yeah, I he put, hated I, this movie. And so did Siskel. <laughs> they... It's it's a great so on YouTube you can go back and see the old uh, Siskel and Ebert's but I'm telling you that I, I was surprised how many of the Highlander movies they did review on their show the first one is hilarious you have to go yeah, back if they didn't like the first one they obviously didn't like the, any other ones oh yeah but the, the first one just their reaction to it is fantastic so listen I, to I, this oh, I actually ahead, watch, I actually watched the YouTube video before the show tonight in preparation <laughs> uh, and listen to this uh, critics consensus because I think it's pretty spot on. People hate Highlander because it's cheesy, bombastic, and absurd. And people will love it for the same reasons. <laughs> That's accurate. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Uh, so there you go. That is Highlander in a nutshell. So did you guys have a chance to look at the trailer or the poster artwork for this thing for the release? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I didn't. Okay. Oh. So the I'll say this. The trailer, uh, because one of the things we've been trying to go back and look at, because, I mean, the whole idea of this thing is movie comes out in the movie theater, uh, doesn't do well, usually the ones that we talk about. It, it finds some type. This one obviously found a following when it came to the home media portion of it. That's where it's really, you know, took off. But the the it was more successful in the, in the UK than it was in the US, obviously. The trailer, if you go back and watch it, is actually a pretty decent trailer. And I remember seeing the trailer as a kid and, and going, yeah, that looks like a great action-packed film. It uh, doesn't give too much away. It, you see a lot of sword fighting around. Now, you obviously... And then look, they kick in the queen at the very end. Oh, like yeah. The last 20 seconds is queen just... Freddie Mercury just screaming in your face. It's a great trailer. Yep. But man, did did they screw the pooch on the poster for the US. It's Christopher Lambert's like, big face in black and white. Uh, with a just a bunch of text. I mean, that's the poster. And the text is, he fought his first battle on the Scottish Highlands in 1536. He will fight his greatest battle on the streets of New York City in 1986. His name is Connor McLeod. He is immortal. And it's and it's just his face, which he looks like, I don't know. He's Termin been, it's like a Terminator diehard-ish poster. Well, yeah, but it, it looks like Christopher Lambert was, you know, binge drinking for the last month and he just showed up to work because he looks terrible in this poster <laughs> and it's just his face black and white. But then the UK poster actually looks really artistic. You've got him holding the sword. It's it's just that nice painting, lots of colors in it. You got, um, I, I you know, just that, I, I think it's the scene at the end where he's you know the the backdrop of the city, the glasses, like exploding. the loft area. At yeah, the, the end, loft area. Kinda, the, you got yep. the Kurgan in the background, which looks real menacing. But man, that UK poster looks fantastic. But I, I don't know what you guys thought about the uh, the American poster. I'm like, dude, th this poster makes me just not. This makes this poster makes me like not everyone not to drink again. The movie? No, yeah. I just I'd be like, wow, oh. that's alcoholism is bad. So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, <laughs> it, it makes total sense why anybody, you know, judging this on on the poster might not have seen it. But let's talk about the people behind the camera, in front of the camera. We're going to talk about Russell Mulcahy, a Australian director. This shocked me. Uh, you go to IMDb and he has 162 directing credits. So this guy has directed a lot of stuff. Now you're sitting there thinking 162. That's nuts. Look, in the 80s. We had this little channel that we watched on a regular basis, and it was this concept 
to where, you know, you're used to getting your music on the radio, but what if you got your music through the television, right? So there's a little channel called MTV. And oh, video killing the radio star. I yes. gotcha. And so all the music videos apparently in the 80s were directed by Russell McKay. I mean, if you go back and look at that, this guy directed videos for Duran Duran, Spandu Ballet, Billy Joel, Culture Club, Kim Carnes, Elton John. I mean, the list just goes on. He was one of the most prominent music video directors in the 1980s. And that's really how he was known within the Hollywood circles. He's done lots of TV series, which add to those credits. But his first film was Razor back in 1984, um, which was sort of an Australian sort of creature feature. And then in 86, he did Highlander, followed that up with Highlander 2, The Quickening. And he, here's just some other films that he's done. Dude, I will say Ricochet is an awesome movie. It's one of Denzel's first movies. Yeah, 1991. Ricochet is awesome. Yeah, Ricochet was that. Uh, who's the villain in that? Was that John Lithgow or no? Uh, no. Oh yeah, John Lithgow and Ice T was in it as well. Yeah. Okay. Yep. He's also done the Real McCoy with Kim Basinger in 1991. He had a couple movies come out that year. Did Did you guys ever see The Shadow in '94? Of course. What'd you guys yeah. think of that one? I like The Shadow. I, I did too. I like The Phantom better, but uh, The Shadow is not bad. Those are two that I missed out on. Yeah, go check him out. You've I mean, seen Rubber, yeah, but you haven't seen. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil Extinction in 2007. He came on board for a Resident Evil film. Um, and also the Scorpion King 2 Rise of a Warrior in 2008. Now, he's done a lot of stuff, but those are the things that kind of popped out. I mean, Russell is not a director. I don't know about you guys. He's not a director. When I see his name, I just got to go out there and see his stuff. Unless it's from the 80s, right? Yeah, he's not. Probably doesn't have any Academy Award nominations either. Let's just go ahead and say that. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a genre filmmaker. Yeah. yeah, I mean, while I've seen some of his movies, yeah, definitely not one that I would be rushing out to see any of his stuff because he directed it for anyway. Well, go go check out The Shadow. I think you'll like it. It's fun. Um, screenplay. This, this is kind of interesting. So Gregory Wyden is credited with story and screenplay. And what's funny is this was a screenplay that he kind of did as um, – just a project. He wrote it, showed it to some professors because he's going to film school. They go, hey, this is pretty good. You should kind of shop this thing around. And uh, it was his first screenplay and it hit big. Now, what we get on uh, screen is a lot different than the original screenplay. But Gregory Wyden is also known for Backdraft. He wrote that screenplay in 1991, The Prophecy in 1995 with Christopher Walken. And I, this shocked me. I didn't even know it existed. Backdraft 2 in 2019 he was the screenplay for that did you guys know there's a backdraft too i did no, I, did I have not. not seen it but i do i do know really that josh because that would be the movie you're like oh i i saw backdraft too after i watched rubber but i got I it on 4k it. i got it on 4k <laughs> <laughs> um and then the other screenwriting credit goes to peter bellwood and he did highlander and highlander to the quickening in 91 which i'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit later two other people i want to mention behind the scenes stunt coordinator peter diamond he's he, he He's got a lot of credits, but you know he did stunt work on the original Star Wars trilogy, and then Swordmaster Bob Anderson again, tons of stunt work. Um, he also worked on the Star Wars trilogy. I think Bob was also Darth Vader's um, stand-in. Stand-in. Yep. 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 Uh, but yeah, he thought so. That guy thought, "Hey, this is going to be awesome for me. I'm going to be known as Darth Vader." No. Nope. Nope. No. Because <laughs> even even I think it's listed as uncredited in stunts or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he also Uncle Bob, Uncle Bob just didn't didn't get his due. Yeah, and, and he's listed as a sword master, so it's a very specific technical type of stunt. So you'll have a stunt coordinator, 
which does the overall stunts. But then for the sword work and the sword choreography, that's, you know, Bob Anderson steps in. He was the um, sword master for the Highlander TV series. And he was also sword master for Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. So mm -hmm. this guy has some pedigree, at least within that particular stunt work. And then you've already mentioned this, Brad, the soundtrack is not solely done by Queen, but a lot of the cool music uh, that you will find is done by Queen. And I believe there hasn't really been a formal soundtrack uh, ever been released, but Queen did put an album out there. I think it's uh, called It's a Kind of Magic, and it has most of the songs from Highlander on it. So let's talk about the folks in front of the camera. This this will be fun. Uh, Christopher Lambert, French actor. <laughs> yes, love the laugh. French actor who did not know any English at the time he was cast as the Highlander, Connor McLeod. Which kind Man, of makes the greatest sense. trick the devil ever played <laughs> was was Christopher Lambert getting a Scottish man, yeah, in Highlander uh, as Josh, a French guy. You you a Christopher Lambert fan? <laughs> I don't want to play my hand too early here, but whoever told Christopher Lambert he could be a star, I wholeheartedly disagree with them. <laughs> okay, I I do not like this guy at all. What about you, Brad? Oh. I'm a thousand percent on the other side. I love Christopher Lambert, ironically, but I love Christopher Lambert. You love him ironically. Okay, he's he, yes. He, he has made some interesting films. I think the ones that we might all know, the, at least the three of us. I mean, he he has a pretty good uh, acting history, but he kind of became known in the U.S. with Grey Stoke, The Legend of Tarzan, Lord of the Apes in 1984. Uh, does Highlander in 1986? He had two speak. He had he spoke two words in that movie, and he got pretty much cast off of that movie yeah, for Highlander. Pretty much. So they like, hey, I like that guy. But even when they were casting him, they didn't know that he didn't know English. So four hours of his day is learning English. And then the other four hours is working um, with Bob Anderson with the sword. And then the rest of the time is, you know, doing uh, the filming and everything else uh, for the film. But yeah, he did Highlander, Highlander 2, Highlander Final. So all the Highlander movies, right? Uh, the Hunted in 1995. I don't know if you've ever saw that film. No, okay. Nope. Mm -mm. It's got ninjas, nope. so it's kind of cool. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now this one, I think, if you don't know him from Highlander, you got to know him from Mortal Kombat in 1995 as Lord Raiden. Lord Raiden. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and he has been on the show before because we did talk about his performance in 2006's Southland Tales. I'm surprised how many times Southland Tales comes up. Oh yeah, he's the gun. He's his gun runner. He's the gun runner. Um, this also leads us. Don't you dare ever write me a check for these guns. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that all night, and it makes me happy. Sean Connery. Now, Josh, you haven't seen any James Bond, Sean Connery films, right? I have not. When are you going to correct that, dude? I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I got a few things in the uh, in the old cooker right now that I'm working on, but I plan on watching them sooner rather than later. And it may be for a little project I'm doing outside of our podcast. So, is that like a slow cooker or like a like a air fryer? Or <laughs> with like, the way like, it goes with me, with the way it goes with me, it's definitely a slow cooker. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, the usually the end product comes out much better out of a slow cooker. To be honest with you, I agree. Yeah, everybody knows Sean Connery for James Bond, and and it's interesting if you go look in his filmography at the time Highlander was coming up, he was actually coming off of um, his role. Of Sean of uh, James Bond in 1983 with Never Say Never Again, so he left that. 
you know what? What you need to do if you want to get some good, juicy film history, Never Say Never Again probably won't ever show up on the show because it was quite successful. But the story of how Sean Connery left the role of James Bond and came back to it for another company outside of United Artists is quite fascinating. There's been you know tons of YouTube videos and, and other probably podcasts that done that. Go find the history of Never Say Never Again. It, it's is that the one that's the unofficial James Bond movie? Yeah, it's kind of an unofficial remake of Thunderball. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Okay, so um, in in '84 he does Sword of the Valiant. In '86 he does Highlander. So leading up to this, I mean, he's not doing a lot of huge films. James Bond being the big one. He, Did you see how much he got paid for this movie for the little work that he put in? Yeah, it went, he was on for a week, I think. Um, $1 million. Yeah, $1 million for a week's worth of work. That's insane. Um, <laughs> it's good if you can get it. In the same year that Highlander comes out, he comes out with a dramatic piece, The Name of the Rose, which is a great film. And then the next year, The Untouchables, which is an iconic Sean Connery role. I think it won him an Academy Award. So Sean Connery... He is one of those actors that when he's in something, I, I'm obviously interested. I don't know how you guys feel about him. Well, yeah. I mean, he's Henry Jones. Yeah. That's what, I mean, I, I grew up knowing Sean Connery as Indiana Jones's father. And then I, I learned that he was this guy named James Bond. So, you know, he was important to me before I kind of even knew how important he was to everyone else. And The Hunt for Red October, too. Like, you can't sleep oh, on that so movie. Good. That movie's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I honestly didn't jump on the Sean Connery train until much later. Um, you know, I, I when when Last Crusade came out, there was a big to do about it. It's not my favorite Indiana Jones movie. I but I think Sean Connery is great in it. Um, but I, I, I from not seeing the Bond movies as a kid, I just kind of jumped on the train when he was in The Rock and stuff like that, um, and just you know. I knew he was famous from all the stuff he'd done in the past that I hadn't seen, but um, he's not one of those that's I'm jumping at the opportunity to watch him in a movie uh, just because I got to him a lot later on in, in my film life. But uh, my wife loves to listen to him talk. So, Oh, don't we all, man. <laughs> he's got a great voice. Um, that leads us to another principal player, <laughs> Clancy Brown as the Kurgan. Hell AKA, yeah. A.K.A. Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants because I my kids grew up in the height of uh, of SpongeBob SpongeBob SquarePants so you know the movies coming out TV show was on every day so anytime I hear Clancy Brown's voice in anything all I hear is Mr. Krabs um, yeah <laughs> so Clancy Brown is the guy in this that I am the most familiar with and I think the reason I know him more than anything is because I was obsessed with Pet Cemetery 2 for some reason when it came out back in the 90s and he played a a, a terrible character in in Pet Cemetery 2 but I from that movie on is when he just sort of made he made an impression on me there and then I started noticing everything that he was in after that and you know is there a second uh, Edward Furlong reference in this that Podcast? is two. That Edward was it, Furlong. right there. Okay, well, and let's just pack it up. Let's pack it up. I'm just surprised he will sit there and Josh will go Pet Cemetery Two, but yet Rubber. You've seen Rubber, Pet Cemetery Two, but not a Sean Connery James Bond film. <laughs> that blows my mind. Yep, blows my mind. This is why we love you, man. <laughs> Clancy Brown and I share a birthday. He's much older than I am, but we're both born on January 5th. So, well, again, I mean, I yeah, I'm kind of again, I don't want to. I'm playing my cards early here, but 
I think Clancy Brown is the best part of Highlander. So we'll get into that later. Clancy Brown is the best part of a lot of things. I mean, I love him in SpongeBob, obviously. Starship Troopers. Uh, he was in, so he has also been on the podcast before because he was in Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension oh, yeah. in 1984, yep. plays Rawhide. Rest I, in peace, Rawhide. Yeah, I, I find it interesting. The 1986, when Highlander came out, he really only had about six credits to his career at his point. Buckaroo Banzai was one of them. Uh, I know Clancy Brown from uh, Buckaroo Banzai Highlander in a film that came out the year after it, which we will talk about. And it's extreme prejudice with Nick Nolte, Clancy Brown. It's, I think it's a Walter Hill film. It's a fantastic uh, action film. And if you have your not a bomb, you know, bingo card, here you go. From 2000 to 2005, Clancy Brown was on the Jackie Chan Adventures animated TV series. There you go. Everything comes back to Jackie Chan, right? Sure yeah. it does. Yep. Uh, lastly, there is Roxanne Hart as Brenda Wyatt. Really, I mean, I, I, I know her in the Highlander films. I looked at everything else she worked on. Not, I don't think, in our wheelhouse. Um, she's still acting for the most part, from what I understand. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> so th there's not a lot to talk about behind the scenes. I will say this. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I want to yeah. like, throw one of our little segments from our show, and they're almost famous because we've got one guy in here that I did pick out, and that would be Joe Polito. Okay. And oh, since yeah, we're yeah. talking The Crow, yeah. you know, since that Crow episode That's came right. out that you guys love so much, he was, he was Gideon, the pawn shop owner in The Crow, uh, who, and he's also been in a metric shit ton of Coen Brothers movies. Yes. And he is a character actor that I will always be able to point out. And when I saw him, I don't think I even realized he was in it the first time I saw Highlander, but this time I was like, whoa, like, because he is young and he is, he, has hair. And he looks nothing like he looks in other movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate you doing your Crow episode talking about the shotgun part in the Crow, because yeah. that's one of my favorite shots. And I know from what hearing you, we share that sort of love. That was my that was my overall like one of my favorite parts of that movie is that shot where he shoots yeah. the rings out of the shotgun. I love it. Oh yeah. So this one did not have a troubled production. I will say the only thing that you can kind of point to that went down that was a little bit different was the UK and the US appeared to have gotten two separate releases, but the only difference is about six minutes. And for the longest time on VHS and Laserdisc, you would get the US cut, but since about. 2010 i think all you can get is this highlander director's special edition cut and from my understanding that is pretty much what was released in the uk yes yeah, the world war ii stuff it's the world war ii stuff it's some stuff that happens in the beginning with um the the first immortal flipping around in the garage there's a lot oh, of, yeah, when he does the backflips down the thing yep, yep, yep. there's a lot of extensions without the scenes but it, it ends up to be about six minutes with the world war ii stuff being the most significant portion that's new that kind of sticks out but you know it, it actually you know they didn't go over budget it it all came in it, like you said Brad, Con connery was drunk the entire time he, he was yes um <laughs> there were a couple of interesting stories about connery walking off set because he almost got his head chopped off by clancy brown but clancy brown apologizes comes back on so there's nothing that would point to behind the scenes that somebody might raise their hand and go oh i, I think we got a problem here and and in fact queen was only supposed to do one song. And when they saw a cut of the film, they went back and wrote more songs for it. So it's kind of interesting. A lot of people walking into this, I think, you know, had favorable views of the product and, and thought, you know, this thing might take off. So 
nothing really juicy to go behind the scenes and and talk about. So we're left with really our impressions of this film. So we always start with our guest, Josh. I I'm just want to. I'm capture. so excited for this. I can't. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. We uh, we took some time this week to watch. Um, you know, 1986's The Highlander, and I'm curious, what what are your initial thoughts on this film? So the background in this film is much like you guys are going to have when you were kids. You watched it, and it left an impression on you. You've watched it multiple times over the years. Um, this movie is a dumpster fire. <laughs> um, sorry to just put it out there blatantly at first, but I, you know, and I... I I'm being very playful with this because, you know, I, I love some terrible movies. Okay. Like I, I recognize that the revenge of the ninja and all the show Kasugi movies and American Ninja, like those are bad movies, but whoa, they're fun. Whoa. And I like watching them because nope, nope. Uh-uh. they are not bad movies. Those are classics. <laughs> okay. Enter the ninja, revenge of the ninja, ninja three, the domination classic. So, but go on, continue. Sorry, I agree with me. you there, but I mean, a lot of, a lot of my love for these movies comes from watching them over and over again as a child um, and, and getting, you know, getting whatever it is out of them that I did. Um, you know, I can liken this movie to something like Conan, which is sword fights and barbarians and, all this crazy stuff and you've got this time jumping and in the future and in the past and all that stuff, which is all something that would normally work for me. But I think not seeing Highlander as a child and growing up with it and having a nostalgia for it really hurts me watching it as an adult because it was very difficult for me to get through this movie today. (laughs) Holy cow. Um, Hot take. All right. And I, and, and I remember watching it the first time, going, you know, I, I, I missed this as a kid. I need to watch it. And I watched it and I have a lot of friends that have a lot of nostalgia and love this movie. And when I watched it and I got with them, I was like, this movie is not good guys. <laughs> and I, I got the third degree from everybody. And I knew very well coming on this show tonight that I was going to watch it again. And I probably would have the same opinion. And I was going to walk into the lion's den with a couple of guys who love this movie, but I don't I don't understand why why everybody loves it so much. It's 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 Christopher Lambert is god awful in my opinion. I can't stand watching him act. Uh I, I have no idea why this movie has higher than a 10% rotten tomato. <laughs> um like I'm sorry guys and we can talk about it but this movie just does not do anything for me and you know, my first my first appearance on you guys' show was Flash Gordon, the the Flash Gordon yep. episode, and I would think going back and watching that would be kind of the same scenario. But I had a blast watching Flash Gordon. This movie just does not do it for me. There is something about the fight choreography, the sword fights, the acting, the 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 settings, like even in something like Conan. Um, you've got these vast landscapes and awesome settings for where, where this movie is. Everything in this movie is dull to me. Like I, I find nothing of interest here. I don't think the story is very compelling and like really just the, 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 the choreography and sword fighting, I could usually get on board with that, but I find it to be very dull and like, I I'm sorry guys. I have to side with Siskel and Ebert on this one after watching their review. Like, I kind of have a lot of the same points they make in their review about this movie. Like watching it as a 40 year old 
it really doesn't do anything for me. Well, so Josh is giving thumbs up to Highlander. Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a wrap. Good job, Josh. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> and I, I do want to make another point here. And we've talked about the great Sean Connery. I'm not going to de- deny he's a great actor. He's done great work. I may not have seen all of it, but his character in this movie reminded me of a certain somebody. And I'm going to try and show it to you here if I can. Um, maybe you've heard this before. Maybe you haven't. But ha- have you guys seen Labyrinth? I know the answer to that is yes. Of course, yes. Okay, so there's a character in Labyrinth that I think, and it's weird because this movie came out the same year as Labyrinth, and I don't know who, it's like who made who in this scenario, but uh, Sir Didymus, (laughs) the dog in Labyrinth, you catch that? Yeah. Um, That's all I can think about when I see Sean Connery in this movie. Like, he looks ridiculous. He is walking around with a whole like he's peacock, a Spanish peacock peacock yeah. ensemble. And, yep. And, and the, some of the dialogue between he and Lambert is just grating on me. And I can I've, I've said it already. Like Clancy Brown is the only thing that I like here, and it's because he's going so over the top. And, yes. and I mean that's that's really all. I and I saw a lot of uh, not hidden wire work in it this time around as well. So I don't know, guys, like I and it's not like I was fishing for things to find. They were just being put right out there in front of me for this one. So I'll let you guys get into it. But I mean, I just I kind of want to have a conversation about what it is that you think is so great about these movies. Okay. And I haven't seen any of the other ones. This is the only one I've seen. And I don't think I'll be going to watch any of the sequels. No, if you don't like the first one, you (laughs) you need to pull up on that emergency break and just come to a complete stop. Yeah, I'll show my hand here. If you like the first one, don't watch the sequels. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, Brad, this was your pick, Highlander. So Mm -hmm. Josh likes it a lot. Uh, He's 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 very proud that he I'm sure he owns the Blu-ray. When it comes out on 4K, you're buying it, right, Josh? No, nah, I think I'll be just sticking with the director's the, the director's cut Blu-ray on this one. Okay. Which to just add insult to injury, I got my Blu-ray out, took it downstairs to watch it, and ended up watching it on like HBO Max or something. I I couldn't even muster the strength to put it in the Blu-ray player. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> okay, so Brad, initial thoughts. You you go back. You've you've seen this a hundred times growing up. This is a hundred and one. What was your new reaction to to Highlander? Yeah, so in the first like seven minutes of this film, you get that opening Sean Connery narrative of voiceover, you know, black screen, red text, check. You get Queen, check. Uh You get wrestling, not wrestling, you get wrestling. This is some Southern 80s, good old boys, but okay, yeah. Uh, The Fabulous Freebirds, which, you know, we get some stars and bars in this one. Awesome. Yay. Um, but, you know, this is supposed to be Madison Square Garden, which is kind of funny. Um, anyway, then you get a sword fight and then you get a decapitation. And then a man literally like has like a huge orgasm. And that is all within the first like seven <laughs> minutes of this film. Well, so this is if, a, and I'm sorry to cut you off, Troy, if you're going somewhere, but I also wanted to bring up I'm, like I'm the, Brad or Br- Brad, <laughs> Troy, you're one in the same. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it, this movie all like starts already not on my good side because it kicks off with the wrestling. And if anybody who knows me, like I am not a wrestling fan and I know that that's kind of, it's not the point. 
But the fact that it opens with a wrestling match, I'm already like, oh my God, where are we going with this? Like, I'm just, I'm so not a fan of wrestling that that kind of thing would be like, what movie am I about to watch? Wow. So it's, it's, WrestleMania. It's, it's not, it's not playing its cards to me from the get go. So. Well, you get the fabulous Freebirds, Josh, which is actually a real uh, tag team. Stars and bars again. Come on. Come on. But anyway, um, you know, so after that seven minutes is like this movie is either going to be for you or it's not. Because if you're not in in that first, you know, after that guy's head comes off, if you're like, nope, not for me, it doesn't kind of get any better than that because it's it gets way more confusing uh, after that first little bit. Um, for me, I love literally every second, especially that that beginning. Like, I think Queen really does help this movie a lot. Um, the soundtrack is, if you told me like somewhat like this movie is like Prague conceptual album come to life, like I could literally see like, <laughs> you know, Rush, like after 2112, they put out Highlander. It's about a guy who's immortal. Uh, you know, like this is like a Prague album come to life. You know, Lambert's not good, but he's amazing in like his own special way. Like the fact that he didn't know English and he's doing this movie and he's supposed to be Scottish funneled through a French guy. <laughs> um, you know, they always ask him where he's from. He's from like from all the places or from everywhere, whatever he says. Um, and I guess like you could argue since he's so old, like his accent is kind of, it's going to be all over become the place. This weird amalgamation of yeah. stuff. I, I don't know. I don't know. You could kind of logic your way through it, but still it's amazing. Well, and somebody um, comments on it that he sounds funny, right? So, yeah. 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 Um, you know, you kind of get some of the troublesome 80s stuff. Uh, you know, you get the gay slur in there. You're like, man, we're really in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> got the stars and bars and a gay slur. And I think there's a burning cross at some point in time. So, I'm, you know, I'm sure. Trifecta. Yeah. It's um, 80s anyway. action film. But uh, I, I, I love this movie. I know, like, I love this movie, Warts and All. Like, I, I can see Josh hating this movie. And when he says, I hate it, I can be like, okay, I can literally understand why Josh hates it. I see it. I can see it. I don't really think this is one of those movies where you're in the middle. You're just like, yeah, it's all right. I think Highlander's <laughs> either like, it's the best movie I've ever seen, or I have no idea what I just watched. I wish I had that two hours back. Um, I mean, I, I'm typically very forgiving. I, I, I put myself in the notion of like, I you know I'm Flash watching. Gordon. <laughs> like, I know I'm watching an '80s movie. I know it was a different time, but you know, you speak of the opening scene and the sword fight there. Like, it's so the the fight scenes are boring to me. I I don't know if I've just gotten so desensitized and, and like love my gung fu or, you know, gun fu stuff and like John wick fights and stuff that's completely modernized now. But I just find all the fight scenes in this are very slow and slog and are not very interesting in my opinion. But I'll rebuttal that. They shoot sparks when they hit each other, Josh. <laughs> Well, Come that's on. they had a they had a wire hooked up to each sword yeah. that was hooked to a car battery. So yeah, I, I, I don't think they were going to do a lot of fancy stuff because no. they were trying to electrocute each other with those swords. I mean, it's practical effects. So I, I get it. Um, yeah, you're, you're right. The, the sword play is not at the level that you have seen even, I would say, of the 70s, 80s, even 60s. Like Errol Well, Flynn even films. go back and watch A New Hope, the Darth Vader Obi-Wan I was like, I was like gonna say, bring that up. Yes, it's, it's literally like two old guys like yeah. slowly hitting each other with metal rods. Like it's not that great. No, 
Um, and, and if you watch those in contrast to what they do with Star Wars now to what they did back then, yeah, I mean, you can completely make the exact same argument for an old Star Wars movie. Sure. Um, but yeah. I mean, I, I didn't grow up, you know, I grew up watching Star Wars and loving that. So it, it, it's really going to come down to the age gap or the, 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 the gap between when this movie came out and when I watched it, I think. Well, you, you have to understand that Wuxia and, and and Asian film have influenced our action movies so much that mm-hmm. we just didn't there there is true 80s choreography there's there's 80s American British choreography versus Asian choreography what they were doing at the time and the two worlds did not meet but today right. the worlds i mean a, a Marvel studio film is just as flourished with its choreography as something from you know, a Samuel Hung, Jackie Chan, Donnie Yen film from the 80s at this point because they are pulling that talent over. But that was not the case in the 80s. It, right. it was very much old school. Um, so we got one person in the corner who absolutely hates this film. We have another person in the corner who absolutely loves it, and you, you guys are tearing me apart here. Um, okay, so my initial thought. The concept of the film, I think, is great. So you have immortals fighting each other, throughout history. I love that concept. Some are friends, some are enemies. One of them is watching his wife grow old, watching like these physical attachments. And she understands what he is. He understands that she's going to die and he's going to stay young. I love that subplot and that element of it. I like this modern day forensics expert is trying to piece together the mystery based on all these decapitations that are happening and kind of going through the crime scenes. So that concept and that story concept, I am drooling over it so good. But oh my God, is this a dumb movie? I mean, it literally is one of the dumbest movies ever. Like dumb and dumber level, but not dumb in a comedic way. Um, you, you will shake your head as many times on what's going on as you will appreciate what's going on. Maybe depending on where you go, you'll shake your head more. But you know, but I gotta say, as as soon as the credit hits, you hear Sean Connery's voice, which apparently he did that recording in a bathroom. His bathroom, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're like, "Well, it sounds cool. We're gonna go ahead." Well, and use this that. movie, shit. I'm just gonna record <laughs> this in here on the shitter. <laughs> so he does that, and they're like, "Well, it's yeah, cool." Um, but yeah, the credits hit. Everything you talk about, uh, the Queen music kicks in. I'm 14 all over again. I I think I'm back in Wichita, Kansas, in the basement watching it. But I got to tell you, Brad, after 10 minutes, um, adult Troy kicks in and I'm constantly like, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. What did that guy just say? Uh, wh- why, why are they flipping for no reason? What? Cause it's that what's going on. I don't remember that from the VHS that I watched. Uh, were, were the police this dumb in the eighties? I mean, I, I don't know how many times I said that. And uh, I, we, I'm sorry. What are the rules? What, what are you doing? So I, I just, you can't be beheaded. It's just that easy. Yeah, I just I want to start with the list of dumb because I I I, I want to go through this. So. How much time you got, Troy? Yeah. Here we go. So the the first dude starts flipping around the parking garage. So this is the stuff that they cut out of the U.S. version. Apparently had in the U.K. And so he's doing flick flax. So flick flax is the gymnastic term of of the backflips. But he's doing these, not even holding a sword. Um, and then every time he swings a sword, he's making this Arnold. Whoa, sword. whoa. Before that, <laughs> yeah. Christopher Lambert is sitting in a seat in a wrestling match way up in the top. So apparently Highlander don't pay too well. I mean, he's an antiquities dealer, but he's up in say, the nosebleeds. But anyway, yeah. he comes down to the parking garage and pulls a sword out of his jacket or out of his trench coat, yep. basically. 
I don't know how you sit there with a the sword. It had yeah, to be painful. Like, yeah. But okay, so the, the the one guy is like swinging a sword and he's making these oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger like grunts every time. And there's it's because he's about to have a heart attack because yeah, that actor's like 80 years old. I know. Uh, and, <laughs> he looks more like a CPA than a Highlander. He does. Yeah. <laughs> but what cracks me up in the choreography, you're right. He will swing the sword. Nash, Christopher Lambert will duck. Right. So and then all of a sudden it's like, where did he go? And mm-hmm. he can't find him. It's like, well, he he's right down there behind you. He just all he did was duck, but all of a sudden he lost Christopher Lambert from ducking. <laughs> you can't see me anymore. <laughs> and, and everybody's car blows up. Uh, other than Nash's, that that's totally that whole opening sequence. I'll say this: I liked the U.S. cut, but adding the the guy doing all the the flick flacks and is the stupidest thing. You could do. Maybe I should have. Maybe I could have got. Should have gotten hold of that that version. Because yes, like that was a lot of what turned me off right from the get go. Is is all it's those terrible. flips and it, like I don't know. It's just it was. Ugh. And by terrible, you mean awesome? No, I mean ter- so. There's a diff- like Miami connection. I found terrible, awesome. That was just annoying. <laughs> Terrible. Can you imagine all those New Yorkers coming out of Madison Square? They're all hopped up on beer and you know wrestling. bad hot dogs. Yeah. Watching that was wrestling. my thought. And they that come was... out and their cars are a all busted up and flooded. Yeah, yeah. That was my thought. I was like, God, you're gonna have a lot of pissed off people. Their cars are wrecked. Oh yeah. man, and in New York too. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. Um, yeah. So here's here's another element of dumb. So cops, just anything with the cops, it it's dumb. It, it just everything they do or say doesn't make sense and is dumb through and through. The dumbest cops ever, I think, in film history. Police the exchange, academy. the exchange between Lambert and that cop in the in the police station, in the interrogation, yeah, where he's weird. just like all up in his face, and I'm like, what? Is, what is going on right now? This is atrocious. It's so it's so dumb. Um, <laughs> Nash, let's talk about Nash for a second. This guy is a creepy stalker. So let me make a case here. He he follows Brenda. McLeod. <laughs> yeah. He follows Brenda into the bar after stalking her, right? So he's following he says, her. Madison Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do you go to the garden? <laughs> and she's like, I'm sorry, what? And uh she gets all creeped out. Do you come here often? <laughs> yeah. And you she's ready to blow her rape whistle from this guy in the bar. And uh then he goes, Hey, can I walk you home? She's like, Oh, hell no. <laughs> so she leaves. But then Christopher Lambert leaves and she's like, well, I'm going to follow the guy, which is stupid, right? Because he he gave off rapey vibe. But she's like, I'm going to follow this guy. And uh, then they run into the Kurgan. Um, cop in a helicopter breaks up the fight. But again, the cops can't follow anybody with their big spotlight in their helicopter. So they lose them both. I like guys like, hey, hey, stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so after that whole exchange, then Nash gets hold of Brenda and is like, you can't be around me. It's too dangerous. Well, what the hell was the whole bar scene for where they're trying, he's like trying to hook up with her and stuff like that. And then so, continues to, to pursue, <laughs> continues to pursue her the entire movie. It's so stupid. And then can we talk about the Kurgan sword for a minute? What the Don't hell wait, is I'll, this thing? I'll be licking you later. <laughs> See, listen, man, this is usually the stuff that I eat up in these movies. When you uh, bust out a gun and start putting it together in an action movie i'm like fuck yes this is awesome when he did this with a sword i was like that's impractical yeah that top isn't gonna stay on there if he hits that doesn't work (laughs) i watched fortune and fire if there's a small crack in a in a in a blade i think it's not chopping through a pig carcass i question the whole integrity and and even his little sword dance that he's doing in his hotel room where he's spinning it across his chest and it's like what the hell are you doing this is dumb that that hotel room would have been torn to pieces yeah, so 
let's as we're continuing let's talk about the rules so sean connery you know sean connery i'm going to, explain, mean, I'm going to explain the rules and how it works right <laughs> so even, even with the sexy connery voice the, Ramirez. I, this is this i'm not sold on it so you, you start getting these montages like you know the sensation you're feeling highlander is the quickening right so R ramirez says this is as nash is on some hill and lightning striking him and i'm thinking nope that's lightning striking your ass that's not the quickening <laughs> that's exactly what my wife said but we were watching it <laughs> so i will no longer be able to procreate because the lightning made me sterile <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's big so and then and then why is ramirez helping him i mean if if there can be only one he shows up out of nowhere and he's like well i'm gonna my train wife you. said the same thing <laughs> because i don't look, look no actually no time out no time out that makes i'm gonna no logic sense. my way out of this one i think ramirez is over two thousand years old yes i don't think he wants to live anymore i think he just wants to kind of give this knowledge to somebody because when he and the kurgan are fighting he's literally if you the only way you can die is be beheaded like he just kind of kneels down and lets him do it like he could have jumped off i mean he would have been paralyzed for a second but like I, I think that he was done with being immortal. I don't know because it makes He's no had sense. Two thousand years, you man. That's a long time. And you're fine, but then you can get cut and you can be down for the count and not pick up your sword. It, it's inconsistent. The the whole rules of it. And then I, I want to go back to something that I found kind of silly too, and it's it's for other reasons. But before we get to all this, and they find out that he is immortal in his in his in his little town, and they banish him. I was getting super Monty Python and the Holy Grail vibes there. <laughs> He's a witch. Burner. Like, he weighs as much as a duck. <laughs> yeah. That's all I could think about was Monty Python yeah. in that moment. And, and here are the other rules that Ramirez. So um, the gathering, it only happens when a few are left and you have to fight for the prize, but nobody knows what the prize is, um, but there can only be one. So that's what they know. We cannot fight on sacred ground. Oh, yeah. <laughs> why? What's the whole deal with like, why not? It just happens to be a church. Yeah, but why? So here's my thing. You can't fight on sacred ground because it's a tradition. It's like the Continental. What, but does, does Scientology count? Like if you go into Scientology Center, is that sacred ground? Does that count? Is it any religion or just Christianity? Apparently it's just the Catholic Church. Potato, potato. Okay. <laughs> um, your head comes off. It's over. You can't have kids as an immortal. Um, and this just, oh, my God. This sounds an awful lot about uh, awful lot like Jedi training. To be completely honest, no with Jedi you. training made more sense than this shit. Check out my <laughs> check out my cool ponytail. <laughs> so this this whole sequence that leads to like this Rocky three beach running scene. Uh, oh, the stag oh, feel, that never feel comes the back. The hot, you know. That's the quickening. Um, and so it what what does that do? It makes you run fast on a beach. Why? why? It makes you frolic on the beach. Okay, are the immortals psychic? You know, they can harness the energy. Well, they don't like they get like all the knowledge and stuff when they from, win the prize. But I mean, Nash yeah, knows where yeah. the gun is, where the tape recorder is in Brenda's apartment. How? I mean, why win the prize with all this knowledge when you're That's already because psychic? he's a creepy stalker. He's just going through her shit is all he's doing. <laughs> OK, so let, let's you just mentioned this, Brad uh, Ramirez beheading. So you get Ramirez versus Kurgan. Yeah. Why not wear a piece of armor around your neck? <laughs> <laughs> so that sequence, I, I would label it as Bugs Bunny versus Elmer Fudd in what's opera doc, because it 
it plays out in my opinion the same way that fight scene is as goofy as that 1957 cartoon to the point every time he's swinging his sword then the walls are coming down you see the guys behind <laughs> pushing, the wall pushing the bricks out where do the stairs go where do the stairs yeah, go you in get that this gravity defying oh. staircase which again yeah. reminds me of a bugs bunny cartoon um, oh wait till we get to the final fight scene because there's a blatantly obvious proportion in there that's oh yeah. Yeah, and you talked about Is that this. like what Ze- Led Zeppelin was talking about in Stairway to Heaven? Is that the stairway? I, apparently. It? Well, no. It, Whoa. I don't know. Uh, we So the Brenda encounters, you you talked about this. Uh, I, I don't know the purpose of this, and it leads to the weirdest romantic scene in all of movie history. So Nash is Watch like- Watch me lick your face. <laughs> here, here, take this knife. I've been around forever stab me okay i'm bleeding all over the place let's go ahead and make out and then it's sexy time so you get this whole sex montage um and then after the steamy sexy time they're like let's go to the zoo and let's stand in front of the lions and they're standing in front of the lions and he's like dude i can't be involved with you what the f like um <laughs> get out of here is a one night stand um, i believe they call that hit it and quit it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's terrible um Oh God! In the vigilante with the broadsword that gets stuck through him and picked up, uh, and then thrown off to the side. The next, yeah, scene. I have a note here. Like, it was this either I wasn't paying attention, or this was just some random dude driving around with a yeah. bunch of Uzis in his car. He's a vigilante, ready like to New shoot some people up. Like, yep. Was there any context given to this before? He was this on scene? his way to the Capitol building to overturn an <laughs> election. But, you know, he saw Kurgan on the way there, so he had to stop. Oh, my God. I had to take a double take. I was like, what did I, did I miss something? Where is, who is this guy? But I love, he gets, he, he gets gutted with a broadsword, picked up, thrown to the side. He's then in a hospital bed with a bandage and a bad cough, yeah. given a statement like, oh, nothing happened, dude. That, yeah. Uh, okay, that that's dumb. Um, Nash wins the so spoiler alert. Uh, alert Nash wins. Okay, gets the prize. Um, now he can have kids because winning it unlocks some like magical sperm in your body. Um, he he has <laughs> and how my dick works again. <laughs> <laughs> he, he has a whirlwind in his head. Knows the thought of everybody in the world, but he's already psychic. So I'd be a little upset about that part of the prize. And he's he's mortal, grows old, and can be one with all living things. Um, Another thing silly about the vigilante scene is when the Kurgan chops the roof off of the car and takes grandma for a stroll down the street. Oh my God, dude. I was you just shaking my head. Stacy for a little bit. Yeah. Well, yes. No, you mean the, you mean the grandma that climbs onto the hood of the car and magically turns into a guy in a wig and a dress. <laughs> yep, That one, <laughs> that, that is a Miami connection moment uh, of big proportions there. Um, and the script is terrible. The script is terrible. You, that world war two sequence, which I absolutely, I hate the, the flippity stuff in the beginning. I really hate the world war two sequence because you get it's this a little awkward. You get this line. Like, can you, can you do this line? The, Hey, whatever you say, Jack, you're the master. Race. Whatever you say, Jack, you're the master race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the two lines that they use over and over and over and over and over and over again is, hey, it's a kind of magic and don't lose your head. How many times do you got to hear that? Don't like, lose your head. <laughs> if you're making a drinking game just based on those two lines, it, yeah. you would have alcohol pointing. Um, I, I don't know. I This, this movie is awesome so terrible <laughs> so awesomely terrible it is awesomely terrible i your your summation in the beginning of the critics is spot on this is 
a terrible, terrible, dumb, dumb movie. I mean, it it's insulting, dumb. I I, I mean, I honestly get more out of watching The Room than I did out of watching Highlander. I ha- I have not seen The Room. Now, I will say this: that that's but you all- love the movie. <laughs> I, I love the movie. Yes, you I do. Love <laughs> the movie. I just, but I know. I I know a big part of it is the nostalgia factor because to your point Josh as as an action junkie I'm not getting my action from this. In fact, the things that I like about this film simply are the the direction, the style of it. It is shot like a music video. It mm-hmm. it is shot like an 80s music video and I love that aspect of it. I I'll tell you my favorite thing of this film is not the acting it is the transitions i love the transitions from the modern day new york um to the highlands so you get like the parking garage sequence to the highlands you get the red police siren to the sunscape uh the sunset landscape in scotland there's like a fish tank one or something like that there's the fish tank to the lake. there's the character's face dissolves into the mona lisa um street art on the side of the building it it's has such, <laughs> I knew her. <laughs> yeah, it's, it has such stylish direction, and the camera is always sweeping over the landscape or the environment. Um, I like the auditorium wrestling sort of crane shot that kind of transitions to him sitting there. Yeah, they that was like a pretty like revolutionary shot. Like that's like a crane shot slash like helicopter shot for, for like, eighty six. I mean, yeah. and you can see that one cutaway sequence to where all of a sudden it goes into the zooming of Christopher Lambert, but that they do that shot, even in the final battle so many times where you get this sweeping motion. Um, and if I anything, can't wait for the ultimate warrior to come out, <laughs> <laughs> if anything, this thing looks great uh, for an eighties stylistic music video. And I think that's the comp- it's like the visual style holds it together and holds all this dumbness in a package to where <laughs> you go all this dumb stuff is coming at my face and my ears and my eyes but yet it's got style it really has some style you're not wrong like this movie's bad but it's like <laughs> I, I i get it i get it and yes nostalgia plays a big part of this for me like i remember watching this with my friends at you know Friday nights after just hanging out, we're like, Hey, we're going to watch Highlander. And most of the time you're laughing at it, but I, I, you know, the guy came up with this idea, like this is an original idea. And obviously, you know, he's, I don't know if he's a a star Wars fan or not, but like building this kind of mythos star Wars level esque and really kind of building on it and running it into the ground and then retconning it to, you know, a weird degree. But, um, you know, I, I think that's a cool idea that this guy just came up with this stuff and these ideas. And I think, you know, we talk about the stag stuff and other things like I, I'm sure there's a lot of this that's cut out that, you know, we're, we're missing. Like, I'm sure his I, original script or script was probably like four hours. Um, I, I know it was darker. I, I mean, yeah. if you go back and read some of the things about the original script, one of the things that they're trying to tackle. So your point about Ramirez not wanting to live you know, for 2000 years. So I think elements are in that, in the original screenplay, it doesn't come through in this film right. at all. I mean, it just doesn't yeah, make sense. Like you, you don't, you don't get that from his not performance or anything, the way they play it. Like I don't, I did not get that. Like my, I'm just sitting there questioning, like if there can be only one, why are there two? Like I, I'm, they don't play that very well 
Um, I can't believe you didn't talk about the boat scene and then underwater as one of the dumbest things in this movie. That no, is I, the dumbest thing. I actually do have a note because I, I was like, did they just rip off the Karate Kid? Because <laughs> all I could see was Mr. Miyagi and Daniel on the boat and, and him trying to keep his balance. Did Daniel's son find out he could sort of kind of weirdly breathe underwater and then no he did not find out he was a he no. was a human fish no. so is aquaman an immortal then he's he's I, I, well it's just because you can breathe underwater doesn't mean you're immortal okay. i don't know so uh I, hey look uh, you make a good point the script is terrible this guy both of the screenwriters are terrible screenwriters however the idea is the cool. idea is amazing like this guy yes. should just be put in a room and come up with ideas and then a competent screenwriter should take the idea and make it into a movie not not these two and that's why like i think uh, the idea of like redoing this movie like remaking this movie doesn't really offend me because i think the core idea is better than what they have i i think that the idea of highlander could be executed better. Like, I think this is ripe for a better remake. I'm so glad you said that, Brad. I'm so glad you said that, because that's where I was going to go with it, too. You better put Christopher Lambert back in it. <laughs> no, no, get, no, get him no, as far no. away from this as possible. Uh, but, and I found it interesting when Troy brought up the production, because he said it wasn't a very troubled production. And what I have found in a lot of the movies that I love, uh, case in point, the shirt Troy is wearing right now, Jaws, the reason that movie is what it is and why it holds such a high regard for me is that movie was so troubled and they just fought and fought and fought to get to the end of it. And I think the reason that movie is so great is because there was so much that they had to fight through to get to the end result. Ghostbusters is another example. Like it's we're lucky that movie exists. Yep. Right. And then with something like this, I mean, when you say there was no trouble in the production, I kind of believe it because it seems like everybody here was in it for a paycheck. But that yeah. doesn't mean that the story or the idea wasn't something worth doing. And I completely wholeheartedly agree with you, Brad. I think this movie is a prime candidate for an update and something that could be remade and made into something that I would like to watch. It's one of those movies that everybody who came to do their job, it really comes down to, in my opinion, a competency issue. So Russell McKay, as a director, directs the hell out of this movie. It looks great. It has style. It it looks fantastic in terms of the camera movement and what they do in terms of these shots and frames. Some of the shots are a little bit more ambitious than they could pull off. They are, but I think he does a great job. Clancy Brown, you talked about it, I think is a fantastic villain. Sean Connery. And there's parts there's parts of Clancy Brown in this. That he's kind of like when he comes to her apartment and stuff, like that's kind of like Terminator-esque. And then yeah. you hear that like, oh, Schwarzenegger, they wanted Schwarzenegger to be that guy. Yeah. They all fix well, it. The the score when he comes through the door almost sounds like the Terminator score that dun, 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 you know, yep. and, and you get, you get the queen, you know, the, the music that queen provides is fantastic. I actually think Sean Connery, <laughs> he's, he comes off as Sean Connery and, but he's, he's spouting rubberish. So I think his performance is okay, but the stuff that he, he was given to, to memorize and read off is junk. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think he's the best thing about it. Christopher Lambert doesn't know English you get what you get out of him. The script is terrible. Um, the special effects and some of the practical effects, I think for its time are okay. But again, from an action perspective, it's still a, a typical American British action choreography. It, it's not going to dazzle you. It's pretty pedestrian. 
Um, Watch me zip down, zip line down this sign, and then I turn into a different man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when he does whole, the zip line, it's, it's I, such a different person. It's I like, have to talk me. about this final battle scene because, <laughs> like, this is the absolute worst place to have a sword fight in the middle of like scaffolding of a, of a sign. Like, that is the dumbest yeah, place. Find places is not good for sword fighting. But to have a sword fight, I just. But now, that's what I liked about it. I, I, the, yeah. the Troy sour. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I'm disappointed in that you. silver cup rooftop battle with the silver cup sign in the backdrop. Not when they're like, else. can't hit each other with the swords because right. they're like hitting the metal and stuff. I, mm. I honestly prefer when they go through the skylight and it's all, it's the, it's the, uh, the, the silhouette fighting in there. Like it, it kind of gave me a little bit of kill bill vibes. Um, but like, I, I think the final battle scene here is probably like if I could have just skipped to that, I probably would have been like, oh, this is okay. But everything that leads up to that is just so atrocious to me. But hey, I, got I, a, I got a question for you guys, too. Okay. Say I was going to have some people over my house and I said, hey, I'm going to have a gathering of people. Would you expect it to be more, more than just me and you? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I hope yeah. so. A gathering is like of many people. They yep. call this the gathering. And there's. Two guys. What? Right. No, there's there's more. There's like four, maybe, maybe three, four. At the very end of the gathering, I I, I assume that's the gathering they're talking about because whoever wins the gathering gets yeah. uh, that's well, the, not the money, but the other stuff. Kruger has already taken out one of the one of the guys. Yeah, I, I know, the, but it, there's like, I mean there's that's like, the other thing that I think is really silly and stupid here is you know they're 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 all bought into this whole quote of there can be only one like i love the concept of that but it's silly the way it's shown here it's like if there can be only one why are there four of you two of you are having a grand old time just chatting it up throughout the city uh it just it's there has to be a better way they can convey that uh, but other, again, than, it, other than they did in this it goes back to the screenplay the concept is great i, I like the concept yeah. of you're going to have these immortals some are going to be friends some are going to be enemies and you know they don't want to kill each other until they have to and you start with like four of them two go down and you're you're left with you know uh nash and and the kurgan or mcleod and the kurgan i i do want to go back to that that last set piece i like action sequences that are unique in that if you go hey you have a big room and you got swords or you got people going at each other. There's not a lot to do and it doesn't um, challenge the choreographer to come up with interesting or different ways to present the action or make it challenging. Like one of the best sequences out there, and I'll reference something in Hong Kong, is Once Upon a Time in China 2 when Donnie Yen and Jet Li are having this fight and it's in this very just skinny alleyway and they can't do everything. And they have to adapt, you know, their martial arts to that. So you've got all these sequences where you get an environment. I mean, that's what makes Jackie Chan so entertaining. He's used an entire environment to like beat people up. That sword fight sequence starts or, up there. Or, or another reference that people have actually seen is like the Daredevil scene in the hallway of the TV show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's that too, which was okay. kind of a ripoff of old boy. But yeah, I, hey, yes. Look, <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's executed very well, but I like the idea of you're going to have a sword fight on top of the building in the scaffolding. It's going to limit your movement. At the end of the day, he just starts like chopping the bottom of it. And I love the whole practical effect where somebody's on the top of it and it's tumbling down as they're Boy, gonna, she's screaming a lot. Yeah. And Ooh, she's yeah. going to go off of the roof. <laughs> Boy. I, yeah, I she's enjoy screaming a lot. That whole I, sequence. I, 
I love seeing the pulley wires when that last one has to come down, though. I yeah. mean, I saw so many wires in this now, and it, trust me, guys, I wasn't looking for them. No, the Blu-ray doesn't do this justice. I was trying, I was do trying to give this movie every inch that I could, but some of it was just so blatant. I was like, wow, like they... I understand that they'd never intended it to be as in high definition. They could hide all that that way, but wow. I mean, but I mean, some of my favorite movies have stuff that you can see now in high def and whatnot, but this one, this one got me. I was just like, wow, they're just putting more and more icing on this cake. Well, it's, it goes back to, again, watching this on VHS or, you know, that kind of format. You're probably not going to see a lot of that stuff because the resolution in the grain is going to hide it. Yeah. So the, the, this thing on a 4K, unless you're going to clean it up from the effects standpoint, I think is even going to look worse because you're going to see those guys pushing the rocks out of the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the you know, Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd fight that they do. <laughs> um, I, I don't think we spent enough time on uh, Clancy Brown. I, he is the best uh, actor in the film. He's super creepy. His voice, even though it's Krusty Krab. Um, I mean, he, he's a great villain. He's over the top, but not in a goofy way. Dude, when he shaves his head and then has, you know, the tattoo and mm-hmm. then part of his head almost has a rat tail coming out of the side. And then he I puts, thought, I took that as the snake's body. I've always taken that as a snake's body because it's a snake. And then out of the snake is the hair. So I was like, is that like, I don't know. Trying it's to be like the snake? creepy. And then he puts know. those pins in his neck where, yeah. Yeah. So why does he have a scar on his neck? It's from the fight with Sean Connery. I understand that, but wouldn't I think? I think the idea, like that's the one thing that I was trying to put together out of this, is like, why does he have the scar? That's their one weak part. Yeah, like, well, I mean, that was he didn't finish the job in a sense, so that healed. Um, But I, I would think that even though they're immortal, they can still be scarred from all of this stuff. It's just they cannot die unless their head is taken from their body. So I, I fully believe the fact that he's he would have the scar there on his neck and stuff. I kind of I think it was when Sean Connery dies in this, or one of the one of the Highlanders gets killed, but it's just a swipe to the neck, and then next thing you look at him, their whole head's gone. Actually, it might have been Kruger at the end, or or what's his name? Um, he's a Kurgan. Kurgan, yeah. Um, I I feel like somebody just got a throat slash, and all of a sudden, the next time it shows them, their head's gone. I found that kind of weird. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I want I feel like some of the Marvel properties with Logan in the Wolverine probably did a better job of this concept of not being able to die right out of the gate, regenerate, slowly age, etc. Whereas mm-hmm. this one coming up in the 86, again, it's a great concept, but when you get into the details and the rules and well, it works this way and it doesn't work this way, it just f- falls on its own weight because none of the logic can can support all these rules. Right. But the the, the biggest problem is the script. logic that's funny. <laughs> but it spends too much time trying to explain it uh within these set pieces. The the only thing you get that maybe comp, you know helps and compensates for it is the beautiful landscaping. I know Josh you made a comment you you think it kind of looks ugly. I love the Scottish Highlands. I love the training montage scene. I, give me a training montage scene, especially with like a Rocky Three beach thing outside of the stupid stag speech. Um, the running is a bit much. Yeah, but it but the whole sword fights with these epic camera sweeps. It looks great, in my opinion. I mean, I, I will give. I mean, it just isn't as it's not candy for the eyes for me like it is in some other movies. I'm, sure. I'm enjoying it way more in Conan and stuff of that nature. 
Um, or even like something like American Werewolf in London, where they're going over those those sweeping things in the beginning of that movie. Uh, but I mean, I I mean that's something that actually does work here. I mean, those are good; those are good shots, but they're not. The movie itself is not doing enough for me for those to really kind of impress me. I guess. Yeah, it, it works for me because, like I said, I I think this thing lives on its style and its direction. The editing, the transitions, Clancy Brown's performance. Um, I, I'll tell you what; I cannot stress how much I hate that extra six minutes. Outside of, I'll, I'll give you another example. You get the flipping sequence. You get the World War Two. I love the dual. Here's sequence. my friend Rachel. <laughs> Isn't that her name, Rachel? Is it yeah, Rachel? Yeah. Rachel. Yeah. Um, that whole dual sequence where he's drunk. You, mean you weren't. You were. You. You didn't want to know the backstory between Rachel and. I didn't care. Russell. Nope. Don't care. Um, but you get the dueling sequence, and he's being, you know, stabbed a bunch of times, and he won't go down. I thought that was hilarious. But what comes in for the director's cut is as he apologizes and he's leaving, the guy gets frustrated and shoots his assistant. So that sequence is new. It's the the extra stuff. It doesn't need to be in there. It, it's a, an example of you've got some good chuckles with good comedy, and then you get this final punchline. It just doesn't work at all. I don't think you even have good comedy there. That's, that dueling scene did not work for me at all. Again, I'm thinking of Monty Python here, of the guy getting his limbs chopped off. Uh, <laughs> Only a <just>, flesh wound. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. That that dueling scene was awful. God awful. I, called this I, I did not French like Warthog. anything about that one. I, I, just, I, I didn't mind it. Like I said, I, I, I think it works, but it's, a, it's an example of an interjection of comedy that plays with this whole concept. Um, and again, it goes back to the deal. The concept's great. The script probably doesn't pull it off as well, but it's an it's an aspect I did like of it. So well, it's hard too because you have that scene, and then twenty minutes later, you have the Kurgan talking about how he raped Rachel after beheading yeah. uh, Ramirez. So you're just like, ah, this is yeah. This movie weird. this movie plays it so straight in some of those places that when you have that introduction of comedy there, I just find it off putting. I was like, this is dumb. The tone is all over the place. It really is, but. Again, the script. That that's all you need yep. to say about. It. Can we talk about the grossest thing in the film? It's not the beheadings at all, in my opinion. It's me licking this woman over and over again. <laughs> the licking is a bit much. No, yeah. it's it it's it's whatever's growing on that manager's lip in the hotel. They do these close up shots and he's got that uh, sore oh, yeah he's, he's, dis- he's got herpes type c yep. or whatever it is oh type my two. god and and every time they do these close-up shots i mean i'm like oh god no no pan away please that's disgusting yeah um that that got to me more than any of the Keep other that away from genitals <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what i there's there's not much depth you can go into this i mean it's all surface level commentary at that point um josh you you clearly hate this thing <laughs> Brad clearly why, loves why it. Don't, okay, if the only so guys, if the only way we can die is someone cuts our head off, would you wear a piece of armor around your neck? Uh, yeah. if you if you're say preparing for a sword fight and you're like, hmm, should I wear this cool jacket or should I wear this thing around my neck? So if he hits me with a sword, it won't chop my head off, which is the only way that I will die. I don't know what it does to your mobility, right? At this point, I don't care. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's, I, it's one of those things that I don't know. I, I'm with Josh. It's like trying to apply logic to this film and go, well, why didn't they do that? Why didn't you do this? You can't do it. You can't. There's, yeah. there's not enough of a script here to even go down that path because it doesn't give you anything outside of the concept to admire. 
Um, and outside of that, everything else that comes out of somebody's mouth or what they say or what they do, especially the cops, it, it's all dumb. It's just absolutely dumb. Well, we've made that point on our show quite a bit. The cops in the 80s were just very, uh, just stupid. Dumb. Like cops yep. did not do real police work. Unless they're no. from Beverly Hills. Right. No, Detroit. Well, no, if they were no, from no, Detroit. no. They're from Detroit oh, and sorry, go sorry. to Beverly Hills. Yes. That's when they, you get it. That's where the real cop work was happening was in Detroit in the 80s. Yeah. Yep. Um, <clears throat> no, I mean, it's, look, it either speaks to you and you can have fun with it or it doesn't, I don't think. And I, I don't think this is one of those movies that you go, well, check your brain at the door. You can't. The stuff that happens in this film, you're like, that is stupid. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're making the list of dumb things versus, oh, wow, I, I really like this aspect of it, it, it kind of, where does your list land? I, I disagree with you, Brad. I think some people can kind of go, hey, I f- find myself in the middle on this one, and the good stuff outweighs the bad stuff. But at, at the end of the day, if somebody were to sit here and tell me how much of a classic Highlander as a movie is, I'd be like, okay, you just need to stop smoking what you're smoking. It's an 80s film. It was an action 80s film that um, was very nostalgic for people who grew up in that time period. It is a dumb movie, and it and it has, I don't know, if, if you want to see what music videos ended up doing for the film industry, you get Highlander. But it's. I think it's a good movie. I just don't think it's like the best thing that came out of the 80s. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's like a crazy here. But it's, I mean, it's not even of the movies um, that I would go back to. This wouldn't be in the top 10 of the 80s films I would revisit for like that childhood rush. I mean, I like it. It just. Yeah, it's, I think it's, for me, it's like the second tier. I just have happened to seen it so many times because we had HBO and the blockbuster was within walking distance of my house. So we just always rented it yeah or it was always on tv or we were taping it off hbo so yeah i it's not like tier one and it might not be tier two but it, it's a lot of fun for me it is i i think you can have as much fun with it as some of the turkeys that we talked about last november i mean it can easily fall into that with the right group but i, I enjoyed it watching it on my own it's just man i was shaking my head so many times like dude adult troy is, is just not able to let this thing go at this point but um any other final comments on this one because i do want to talk about the sequels yes i turned into space alien <laughs> <laughs> i could just listen to brad do his christopher lambert comments and laugh the entire show well that's what happens I'll, they're aliens they're aliens troy all right well before we get to highlander 2 let's let's go ahead and ask the question josh you I, I think we know where you're gonna land but we're talking about 1986's highlander is is highlander a bomb this movie is a steaming pile of garbage <laughs> yes <laughs> this movie is a b-o-m-b bomb i just i so I'm, it's not not for me guys not you, for me could you be a bit more specific i think you're being very <laughs> so you didn't like <laughs> it. i don't i know what you're you're giving me mixed signals right now so it's a bomb i can I, I you know clancy brown is good in it even though he's very over the top I do not. If, if if I was suggesting anything to watch Sean Connery in, I would stay far away from this. Uh, I'm sure there's other ones out there, and I just I can't get on board with Christopher Lambert. So this movie is a is a bomb for me, guys. Okay, Brad, your pick, 1986 Highlander. Is it a bomb? Highlander is not the bomb. <laughs> no, it's not a bomb. <laughs> it's uh, again. I would. I don't disagree with anything that Josh says. Like, <laughs> I know he's right, but I love this movie. I love it, and I will always love it. And it's 
really dumb. I think I like the core ideas that it's going for. Like it's punching way above its weight um, when it comes to ideas. Execution, not so much. And again, seeing Christopher Lambert like struggle his way through this movie is half of why I love it. So um, it is not a bomb. Okay. But it, it probably is a bomb, but it's not a bomb. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm with you, Brad. It's, it's not a bomb. It's, <laughs> it's one of the dumbest movies out there in, in terms of, uh, I just plot the whole nine yards, but dude, that concept is fantastic. I, I, I do think the good stuff odor overshadows the dumb stuff going on in the film. Um, we've already talked about it. If there's no, one, it, it odors it. <laughs> okay. If, if there's one movie it's that definitely needs, smelly. needs a remake, it's this one. And it's, I know yes. it's been sort of talked about for a long time. And, and now our, I don't know, our dream boat, uh, Henry Cavill might be, uh, the Highlander. I don't know what role he's playing. I just and, want the residual checks that come in the mail. <laughs> and let me be clear. If, if they did remake Highlander, I would absolutely be on board for giving it a shot. Um, I, I yeah, do he think, plays- I do but, think the concept that that is there is something worth putting a little more time and effort into, and I would totally be on board with that. But this one's just not for me. If Henry Cavill plays Connor McCloud or a Connor McCloud esque character, like I think that's great. Oh, I do too. Um, they, they, I hope he's not like the Ramirez stand-in. Um, I, I want him to be a little bit more meaty in that aspect. Again, like you're like, well. He's already the Witcher. Like, do we need like this kind of? Yeah, we That's do. That's what this I've too. been hearing so, from everybody. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we do. But I mean, what they have to do is take the concept and s- just drop the quickening, the whole prize con. Like, come up with something different. Take take the concept and come up with a new framework for it. And I think it would. I think it would be a fantastic property that, uh, especially with the directors they're talking about. I mean, they're talking about bringing a John Dr- uh, John Wick director on board. Um, that that will be fantastic. Now you'll get yeah, some sword like play. Yeah, if it's like John Wick with swords with like the mythos of Highlander, like I mean, sign, sign me up. up. Yeah. yeah, that sounds like an awesome movie that I want to see tomorrow. Yeah, and can we please bring back the U.S. cut? This whole this version that they're circulating um, on these new Blu-rays, and it's junk. I yeah. don't know why they started doing that with certain movies. Like a movie that I love deep down in my soul is Friday. And the only way you can get Friday on a physical copy now is a director's cut, which is chock full of a whole bunch of nonsense that doesn't need to be there. Yeah. It's like, dude, just give me the give me the movie I fell in love with. But and and that's not to say I don't like director's cuts. I do like director's cuts. Like I like the longer cut of Almost Famous and Empire Records. And the, I like what they give me in those, but sometimes like at least give me the option to have the theatrical cut and the director's cut. Don't yeah, I just agree force that director's cut on me. Rob Zombie does that stuff with his movies too. He only puts his cut out there and it's like, eh, the theatrical cut of Halloween was a little bit better than yours there, Rob. Did you guys see that the director's cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was 40 hours? Oh my God. <laughs> no. We, we don't need I would 40 wa- hours. I, I would watch, I would I watch that. I know you would. You would. Um, so I mean, I, I am a Tarantino apologist and I love everything Tarantino touches. What are you when, apologizing for? Well, I mean, some people have jumped on the, the 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 Tarantino hate wagon in recent years because because of this very thing. Like his his editor uh, Sally Minky was that her name? Yes, she died. You know, she, when she died and he started editing his movies, that's when everybody's like, "Good God, he needs to get somebody in there that can edit these movies down." And 
I, I am, I, I do agree. I think there is a lot that can be cut from some of these movies, but it doesn't stop me from loving them so much. So I agree. Yeah. It's more hateful eight than once upon a time. Yeah. Which no. is funny because I've watched hateful eight a dozen times at this point now. You're trying to convince yourself. It's a good movie. I've You're right, there. dude. I it's am. Not, it's not a good movie. Crazy. It's not. <laughs> I've been there, man. I'm still every day I wake up and I'm like, is this the day I'm going to like hateful eight? Is this <laughs> right. the day? It's not did happening. you watch did you watch like the four episode extended cut of it on Netflix? Yeah, on Netflix, yes. Yeah, that didn't do much justice for it in my opinion. <laughs> I don't I like how you asked if Brad watched a Quentin Tarantino pro Yes, he watched it five times already. Um now Josh, you didn't watch any of the sequels, right? I have not seen any of the sequels, do not plan to. Okay, good for you. Um Brad, did you watch any of them this week? I I, I didn't watch them this week, but I've seen them recently enough to to remember what happens and sadly how it retcons a lot of things and turns them into aliens. And the second one is literally undone by the third one and all this stuff. So it's just a weird series that really is bad (laughs) after the first one. It's really bad. I honestly can't think of another franchise that is as terrible as this franchise. Like Leprechaun. I think Leprechaun is citizen King compared to what comes after (laughs) I don't know. Some of those. Okay. Okay. To be fair, some of those like Hellraiser movies on like the back end They're are terrible. pretty bad. No, 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 like, no. Where well, they kind of like yeah. circle jerk their way into I'm, like some. I'm not saying that they don't have bad films in their series, but Highlander is so two out of three. Sorry, Josh. It's not a bomb. It's it's a good film that comes out of the first one, but every film <laughs> I that say it's com- a good film. It's being a, nice. It's, I, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to say it's a good film. Everything that came after the first film is total garbage, like total garbage. So here's the backstory on number two. Number two comes out. I think it's 1990. Um, they're trying it takes to place in 2024. Yeah, maybe. Earth, okay. Ozone's, you know, junk. Yep. And so Connor McLeod's growing yes. old. <laughs> yes, Josh. The ozone layer is going away. Yeah, because we so, use too much hairspray. <laughs> he creates shield. We find out that the immortals were actually aliens from another planet that tried to do revolution, and they were sent to Earth, and they got a battle to their only, you know, they win the prize, whatever. And the movie is terrible. So actually, if you do go and seek out the the second film, you can't find the theatrical theatrical cut unless you go back and see like the the VHS or the laserdisc version. I'm sure YouTube might have it, but. I thought Amazon Prime had the theater cut as or the theater cut maybe. I think it's got that in the Renegade. Oh, does yeah. Most most times they're going to sell the Renegade, but there is one reason to get the Blu-ray because there is a uh, documentary called Highlander Two: Seduced by Argentina that talks about the making of the film, which is way more interesting than Highlander Two. So to give you the the two minute version, what ends up happening is they say, well, we can save $10 million if we go film Highlander 2 in Argentina. And the studio, the only reason why they're making this is because it did really well overseas and the video sales were incredible. Um, So they go, well, let's just make this for the overseas market. It'll do well there. We'll save $10 million. They go to Argentina. All, I mean, it just, it blows up in their face. So to the point where the insurance company and and sort of the financiers go, I don't think we're going to get our money back if people continue getting hurt or things aren't getting done. So they're not even done filming and they just take all the footage away from the director and everything else. And you basically have accountants kind of putting the movie together to release it theatrically 
And it's, uh, it's that's who you want. Yeah, accountants. It's terrible. And then Russell McCain and everybody else comes back years later and they go, well, we're going to fix it. And so they come up with Renegade. And so there's been like four different versions of this thing come out and they dump the alien storyline and go, well, that didn't work. Nobody liked that. So let's come up with this new storyline where they come from a futuristic past and they're trying to revolt um, against Michael Ironside. And so as a punishment, they're sent into the future and the prize is if they win, then they can either continue to grow old or they're sent back to the past where they can live out the rest of their life. It's totally ridiculous. So Highlander 2 is considered one of the worst movies ever made and um, it earns that, <laughs> I think. It's terrible, which leads us to Highlander, the final dimension, also known as the Sorcerer or Highlander 3. In this one, they totally forget what happens in the second one, and the prize never really happened. Um, and so they bring in Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> That's who you want to save your series, Mario Van Peebles. And in essence, they remake the first Highlander with Mario Van Peebles and jokes from Coneheads. There's a, there's a condom joke in this that they stole from Coneheads. Oh, maybe Josh will like that. Yeah. Josh would be Coneheads <laughs> Josh, guy. Josh, actually, so, uh, you should go watch Highlander 3 because you'll be like, oh, that's a Coneheads condom joke. No, because no, they, they take out Clancy Brown and put in Mario, Mario Van Peebles. Mario Van Peebles, like, there you go. Coneheads is sacred. You're never going to know. That, that movie is just what it is. Yeah, well, they stole from Coneheads, so there you go. Um but Another yeah. reason I'm not going to watch this movie. So it it totally supposedly picks up where the first one uh, ends, and it just becomes a remake of the first one, and apparently this ends the series. And they go, well, Connor McLeod, he, he really wins this time, and we're good, right? Um, but, but Nope. Yeah, there's a TV show that ends up happening with, um, is it Ad Adrian Paul? And I've never but seen that's it. not Connor McLeod, right? Am I am I correct there? Duncan is it Duncan McLeod? Duncan yeah. McLeod, yeah, yeah, who happens to come from the so Connor McLeod trains Duncan McLeod because he's immortal too. And I don't Duncan know. Duncan is the my rules. cousin from another mother. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, now I saw every Highlander film that this is the last one Endgame that they did in the theater. So I saw Highlander two in the theater, Highlander three in the theater. Terrible. This one got me hyped because Donnie Yen is making his American. I knew picture. you were going to say that. Yeah, he shows up in here. Um, and I got to tell they you. They made four Highlander movies for the theater, guys. Yeah, four, four. for the theater. Because um, Miramax and Dimension step in, you know, around the third one. And, you know, so the TV show's doing good. Don't hang out with Harvey Weinstein. That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Donnie Yen kicking people in the face and stuff. That sequence, great. This movie makes no sense. Like, I have no idea what in the hell is going on in this film, but I don't know if you got to know the TV show. There is one concept that I liked in this that is an example of how they could do some additional world building. So apparently there's a group that knows about the immortals and they don't want the immortals to get the prize. So they kidnap an immortal and hide them in a sanctuary so that nobody could ever win the prize. I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, because there can be only one. Yes, and so Except if there's always two, they never have to worry about <laughs> that's somebody not as reading catchy. my thoughts. Nah, yeah. um, but there's two. But it, it's, a, it's a, I don't know, it's the example of this whole franchise is great in concept, horrible in script play, and how Donnie Yen goes out in this movie is totally stupid. 
He just dumb. Like I hate this film just because if Donnie ends an immortal game over, he's the only one. Let's they did it. Donnie wrong. They did Donnie wrong. And then lastly, they did a high, uh, Highlander animated film, The Search for Vengeance, which uh, is actually pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. Um, it has an entirely different, uh, I don't know, Colin. Is it Colin McLeod? Something like that. All new characters, but it's it's pretty good for an animated film. And it's an idea of taking this Highlander thing and putting it into the future. And, and it kind of works. So if, if you were going to watch any of the sequels. Now, the only one I didn't watch was Highlander The Source, which was a film that they did for Sci-Fi Channel or TV or something. Ooh, so you know it's good. Yeah, apparently it's terrible. And even the Highlander fans don't um, recognize that one. But uh, yeah, I, I can say this. If you like Highlander and you've always been interested in the sequels, just go watch something else. Rubber. Go watch Rubber. I don't know. I haven't seen Rubber. Josh likes Rubber. Go watch that. I'm sorry. Rubber is what it is, but Rubber is a far superior movie to Highlander. In my About opinion. the killer tire. <laughs> and do, do you like any of these, Which Brad? Which is saying something. Them? Do you like any of the sequels, Brad? No. None? Nope. Nope. Okay. Nope. Nope. Not even the They're second one just to make fun of it? or. Uh, I mean, like... If you were, if I was at your house and you said, "Hey, watch less Highlander 2, I would say, "Okay," and we would have a good time watching it. But it, yeah. I would never watch it by myself. Or anything o- like only that. if we had a bottle of like scotch or you know Irish whiskey, something that could get us through that. So, I found myself <laughs> drinking a lot of whiskey trying to get through these films. So, how about that drink that Brenda pours at the bar? Oh my god, man! Yeah, Shoo. I missed that one. She's Big. got a iron liver. <laughs> Well, that's that's Highlander. That's the Highlander series. Um, I feel like I took one for the team this week. Yeah, good job, buddy. That. Thanks yeah. for that. Yeah, now I don't have to watch them. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, before we talk about next week, we, we had we had a lot of engagement this week, and there were some emails that came through, and there were two in particular we were going to talk about. Right, Brad? Yes. You got the first one? Yeah, I can do the first Phillip? one. Okay. Yeah, so the first one um, is from Philip. Hey, Philip. Nice to hear from you. Uh, he says, I just finished your latest podcast on Hamlet 2. Entertaining as always. Great job. I was wondering if you ever watched the early 80s sci-fi flick called Brainstorm. It had a great cast with Christopher Walken, Natalie Wood, Louise Fletcher, and Cliff Robertson. With four Oscar winners or nominees, millions thrown into the latest special effects, and major studio backing, it should have been a hit, but instead bombed. The film has some interesting elements to the story and a troubled production history, including the death of its leading lady, Natalie Wood, before filming was completed. It also had perennial bomber Louise Fletcher, who won an Oscar for her performance as Nurse Ratchet a few years earlier. She gives a great performance, but after her Oscar, she never did have another shot. She followed up her win with Megabomb, The Exorcist 2. I'd be interested to hear your take on this film, Philip. So, Brad, this was on our list, right? Yep. Not only is it on the list, it's on the list. We're doing it soon. Yeah, we we, uh, we booted we booted one to to do this soon. Uh, yeah, and have you seen this film before, Brad? I am not. I'm not. Okay. How about you, Josh? Have you, you ever seen Brainstorm? I have not seen it, but I have been interested in watching it for a while. I think I heard about it on another podcast a few years ago, and it's been in my watch list for a while, but I just haven't had a chance to watch it. Yeah, I I remember seeing it in the theaters. Uh, I've seen it a couple. Of th- it's it's a super interesting film to talk about and especially to Philip's point all the stuff that happened behind the scenes is also a fantastic story so 
Brad and I, I mean, this is a great example of a pick coming through and, and somebody kind of reminding us, hey, here, here's a bomb and you should probably talk about it because here's some things that, oh, by the way, do you, did you know this happened or this is what's going on? And both Brad and I were like, oh my gosh, you're right. It's on our list. I totally forgot about uh, Natalie Wood and the things that happened during production. Um, it's one of those films that is super interesting in terms of what it's presenting and especially some of the concepts it was presenting in cinema. So you know what? It's actually going to, we're going to bump something from our uh, upcoming show in the next few weeks and, and do brainstorm. So Phil, thank you as always for that. Um, we're going to move that one up. I've got a funny nice story. guys. Yeah. I got a funny story about that too. As soon as this came through and we decided we were doing it, I didn't own it. So I, I bought it off Best Buy and today I was checking the tracking and apparently my delivery truck was in an accident. So I don't know when I'm going to get it. I hope it's soon, but it said, it literally says like there was an accident. Please check again later. Oh, wow. Like, oh yeah. my gosh. Hey, it's an excuse. I have the DVD and I'm like, you know what? I'll order the Blu-ray. So, um, I can't wait to talk about that one. All right. What's okay. our next email? Second one. And Josh, you can participate in this one because it's a Quentin Tarantino question. Oh, oh. And that's, that's why we're reading it. Aren't we? Yep. Pick that one. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is from Ben. It says, Bombers, Ben again, wanted to ask, since Tarantino says he is only making 10 films and Once Upon a Time was his ninth, what genre do you want him to tackle for his last film? I want him to make a horror movie so bad. That's what I was going to say. Horror. So bad. Uh, my pick is horror, too. I, I yes, figured that's what horror. everybody's going to say. Yes. I, yes. I mean, I, we got a little bit of it with Death Proof. Um, but yeah, I, I yeah. would love to see what he did with that. I mean, who knows where he'll go with it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of over the period piece stuff at this point. Like I love what he's done to this point with, with Django and hateful aid and even with once upon a time, but I, I would really love to see him come out with that last one. If it in fact is his last one with something just completely different. Now I know like he's a new father now it would be weird like if he did like a family comedy or something weird like just something weird because like he has a kid now no. but i you know obviously he's not going to do that uh yeah horror would be so great and you know he's got that pizzazz for for violence and things like that because it's so fun brenda have y'all seen that that uh interview he has with the lady she's like why are your your movies yeah. so violent and he's Cause it's so damn fun, Brenda. I love. He's like, when you go to see Metallica, you go to see Metallica music. You yeah. come to a Tar Tarantino movie, you're going to see Tarantino. Movie. You want to see feet? You want to see violence, Brenda? <laughs> Are you guys excited about Edgar Wright's film? I mean, he's he's dipping his toes into the horror genre. Yeah, this, this is my most anticipated movie of this year. I am so pumped to see this movie. I, and that's that's why I would pick horror for Tarantino. I mean, I horror is a genre that you can say a lot and get visually creative. And I think in the right hands, I, I wish more, I don't know, uh, high caliber directors would look at horror and go, let's let's take it to a place that nobody else has done, especially some of these visionary folks. So Edgar Wright, I'm super excited about because um, yeah. I think that trailer looks amazing. But I would love Tarantino to kind of go, yep, I'm jumping. And not for Tarantino to do a horror-like uh, or horror-light product, but just go 100% like both feet in, just go for it. Yeah, do a you slasher. Know, I I mean, I, I would I would love to see him pull off a slasher, but I could totally see Tarantino doing something 
psychological horror, like like something in the vein of Rosemary's Baby, like Polanski inspired stuff. With, yeah, um, yeah, I could see Shutter Island, like 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 a weird thing. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say Shutter Island's complete horror, but like it's you know psychological horror. I, I think he would be chasing down like Fulci Argento. He's he's an uh, Italian horror guy, but I mean he is. <laughs> I, I know he's got. I, I would love him to to do that genre. But what that's great about Tarantino is if he does horror, you guys just. I mean, all three of us named all these different genres that he can get into or um, between slasher or creature feature or anything of that nature. I mean, Italian giallo, he, he can do it all. I, I would like for him to pick one and not sprinkle all the genres in there, but pick a genre and then just go for it. Like head on. I think, I think Tarantino just has such a love for all of it that it's hard for him to not intersperse all of it in there. But I mean, we've seen him do more focused material. I mean, well, I mean, I won't even say like, he's not, all over the place when, when it comes to like Django and stuff like that. I mean, he's pretty centered in the Western stuff there and bringing a modern feel to it. But, you know, I, I just, I think the dude could really pull off a good horror movie, whether it's a slasher or a psychological, he thinks about the aspect of those movies in such a way where it could be. And of course people are going to say, well, he's just ripping off John Carpenter. I mean, the hateful eight could be the thing. I mean, if, yeah. if you if you kind of put it in a different perspective, I mean, he's definitely drawing inspiration from Carpenter there. But I would I would love to see him do something like that. I, I would, like we said about him having the the editor that passed away. I would like to see him do something with a little more focus and a little more slimmed down than what he's done the past couple couple of movies. But that would be my choice for sure. Would be a horror movie. I agree. Well. Those are great, great questions. Thank you for sending them in. Thank you for everybody even sending questions on social media. We've been trying to, uh, I don't know, <laughs> Brad and I kind of split duties on that one. We've been getting some uh, awesome posts uh, about past uh, you know, episodes we've done. V is out there doing her commentary, which we, we absolutely love. But um, you know, Brad, if, if anybody else wants to send us some questions and see if it makes the cut, uh, how would they get a hold it, of us? It'll, it'll make the cut. It'll make the cut? Okay. Uh, it's not about pod at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Um, yeah. Before we talk about next week, do you want to let Josh give his spiel? I do. So I want to hear about your podcast, Josh. <laughs> Josh, you, you oh. knocked it out of the ballpark with crow. Um, we know what the next episode is, but, uh, and I think you just put it in the can, right? You recorded it. We did. We recorded last night, and it's uh, we're talking about Point Break. Oh my gosh! I so. am an FBI agent. That movie. <laughs> You're doing. You the, could doing honestly. The remake, right? You could. You could put Point Break in the same general field as a Highlander movie, or or Highlander. Like Point Break is a movie that, on all fronts, should not work, but works so well for me. It's way better made than Highlander. <laughs> Well, yes, I absolutely agree there. Um, are, you, I mean, <laughs> are you going to watch the remake? I'm I'm curious. So I have attempted to watch the remake, and I got through about five, maybe seven minutes of it. The actor who plays Johnny Utah in the remake is one of the, like, he is Christopher Lambert caliber actor for me. Like, he is god-awful. So I don't know. Maybe one day I'll give the whole thing a shot, but... The original holds such a dear place in my heart and is perfect to me that I don't know if a remake is a warranted B like, I don't think I would enjoy it. I don't, I don't know. Like if you modernized point break, it loses its luster for me a little bit. I think 
Okay. Well, where do they find uh, your podcast? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We are VHS Files Podcast. Uh, you can email us at VHSFilesPodcast at gmail.com. Give us any kind of recommendations you would like us to talk about on the show. We're about to start doing a deep dive into some more obscure stuff from back in the 80s and 90s, kind of getting away from the major blockbusters and the big movies of the time. We're going to start taking it back to some of the older forgotten things and start having some commentary on those. So, and we typically release new episodes every Friday. We've been a little behind lately, but we're back on the horse. So go check us out. VHS files podcast. Are you guys going to do another horror section soon? We are talking about it. There's a couple of movies we've been throwing around. So there's a potential that a horror section may pop up sooner rather than later. Here's what I've learned. People want to hear you talk about shopping mall. Yeah, really? They love yes. Chopping Mall. Oh my yes, goodness. People love Chopping Mall. Uh, I could I could talk about Chopping Mall. Uh, that's a that's a good one to talk about. Okay, so are we ready to talk about next week? Oh yeah, yes. Okay. So next week is my pick. We're going to stay in the 80s as a matter of fact. I'm actually excited about this because if if you were to and I've said this time and time again, if you go back and look at the catalog of movies we talked about, we've been all over the place and I think this takes us in another direction as well. But we're going to stick in the 80s. We're going to specifically go to 1981. And I'm super excited because we're going to have a chance to talk about director Brian De Palma. And we're going to talk about John Travolta. And we're going to talk about Nancy Allen. Yes, we are going to talk about 1981's Blowout. That movie is not a bomb. I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited. So we are also going to have a guest. Sammy's going to come back on the show from The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Um, so, you know, look for that next week. And if you're playing along, there is a, I think a fantastic criterion edition of blowout out there. So this well, is a film. Is that, would you consider that a neo-noir? We'll, we'll talk about it. I, okay. I, I think it's, um, I think it's something that we will discuss because Brad, you and I okay. are, are huge film noir fans. And, uh, this is a film that should on the surface be right up our alley. But like you said, Josh, a lot of people think this is not a bomb. You know, the question is, are Brad and I going to agree on it? Yeah, next I've, week? I've never seen it. So yeah, Brad's never seen it. So I've seen it multiple times. Um, and the cri- that Criterion edition of it is really good. It's got some great special features on it. It does. So it, it's it's a movie. It's easily accessible. Um, and we hope everybody I, I don't I don't know what uh, everybody's thoughts are on Brian De Palma. But, you know, I got I got to say of the directors in the 70s and 80s, um, he, he's up there, man. He's made some. He's made some heavy hitters, so this this will be a good discussion. Josh, thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy with the move, with your own podcast. I mean, you guys are are really trying to throw a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and we are so grateful you took time out of the busy busy schedule and come visit with us and talk about Highlander. Even though I know you didn't like the film, we loved your comments on it, though. Well, that's the fun of a podcast is to be able to talk about stuff, even if you have different opinions than people. And that's why I jumped at the opportunity to come on and talk about it with you guys. I, I, I love coming on and talking with you guys. It's a lot of fun. So I'm here anytime you'll have me. Absolutely. We're, we're definitely going to bring you back on. It's always, I mean, I think it's been like two hours and it just flies when the three of us. Honestly, I thought yeah. after my opinions on Highlander that I wouldn't be invited back after this. Oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I'm not that precious about Highlander. Now, now, if we were talking Pulp Fiction, oh, if it was, if yeah. you had said anything negative about Pulp Fiction, 
I would have. You may have two guys showing up at your door. Yeah, <laughs> asking about your big Kahuna burger. And, and, and certainly be one with Josh. one with a Jerry curl and one with long hair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, well, listen, I don't know if you downloaded this and are listening in the morning, afternoon, or evening. As always, thank you so much. We're so appreciative of just the engagement and you listening to the podcast. Um, again, check out 1981's Blowout. We're going to talk about that next week. And I hope you have a fantastic day. Don't lose your head. Mm-hmm.